Are you all in, brothers? Yes. Get yourself fired up for the State of Combat podcast on CBS Sports with the Brian Campbell. And get yourself extra level fired up for this pro wrestling edition. Ah, yeah. What a big week. Maybe in the history of professional wrestling this week. And what a big show we have coming for you. Breaking down all things. The announcement of AEW's long-awaited TV deal. Heading into their launch coming up. And also... Big week for WWE. It is Money in the Bank time this Sunday night. We'll have a full preview. We will also chat with one of the participants in that men's match. The high flyer, Ricochet himself. No, not Ricochet. Not that Irish wrestler. We're talking about Ricochet, the man himself, stopping by the pod. Going to get you fired up for that. Detailed preview. We'll hit the latest news and nuggets. But one thing you need to do. Is, uh, is uh, hit us up on that back end. And, and, and when I say back end, I don't mean that back end. I mean, hit us up on the back end with that five-star review, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Um, I don't know. What do, you, what do you got these days? Uh, uh, CBSSports.com. We have our own portal wow, on the website that, right now. that voice you hear? I never heard that guy before. Uh, well, look, you're, you're, you're stumbling here. I'm trying to help yeah, you out. This, this man doesn't speak during the intro here. What's going on here? This is my time, my time. Uh, <laughs> yeah, check out our audio, pass it forward, five-star review. You know the rules. You know how this works. Yes, Mickey, let's get right into the meat of this show. Let me bring in my co-host. Silver King, come on down. And we will get to the death of the original name in a second. But now the good news. Here he comes. Say hello to the bad guy. He wasn't going to believe there was a revolution until it was right in front of him, smacking him in the face. The smacketh has been laid down. Here he comes. It's the Silver King, Adam Silverstein. Hey now, BC, the revolution will be televised indeed adam that will lead off our main event very quickly very short weird show this week we hit you up with a lot of news and reaction in the main event and obviously give you that detailed preview we promised but hey silver king uh little solemn news to start off with your namesake there uh i didn't know this guy was still wrestling i didn't see this coming it's certainly sad news on the way it went down but the silver king himself wcw veteran silver king I passed away, and he passed away in the ring during a match in England this past week. And the video is heartbreaking, and I and I really wish less people would have shared it as he as right. he dropped down to a knee during the match, and then just fell face forward and 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 died of a was it a a heart related issue? His heart stopped. I did not. I did not get the reasoning, but I mean, he was not attended to. For... Anyone that watched that video, though, that referee needs to be. Uh, needs to go it was cardiac arrest at the age of 51 and the referee checked to see if he was still good and then let the match continue they went to a pin the referee at the two count leaves his hand in the air waiting for the silver king to kick out even though you would think silver king gave him the you know the uh by not reacting showed him that he wasn't well in <laughs> yeah. fact he was no longer alive unfortunately but uh wow and then they finally counted them out he passes away may 11th 51 years old, a native of Mexico, Cesar Barone, his first name. Um, 
has become your namesake. But uh, sadly, here I don't have a lot of you know great memories and stories to share. I've certainly watched the Silver King during his WCW days. One of the, was one of those early luchador high flying when the, when WCW was sort of ahead of the time on the American scene and presenting cruiserweight action. But uh, that was a, that was a, that was a sad bit of news to come across, Silver King. Yeah, I mean, if if it was a luchador six man tag on Nitro, he was in it. I mean, that's what you could know. You could be guaranteed that. As you said, 51 worked famously for UWA, CMLL, AAA, WCW, All Japan, and New Japan Pro Wrestling. And fans of wrestling who maybe didn't watch WCW or people who weren't even fans of wrestling probably best know him as Ramses from the movie Nacho Libre with Jack Black. He was that main that. villain. Wow. Yes. So, um, And he actually, because he was unmasked for a period of time, he actually had to go back to Mexico with a different name. Uh, I'm forgetting off the top of my head what that was. It did have silver in it. Um, but, yeah, really tough news. Um, like you said, he's not, to American fans, a huge name in the industry. But in Mexico, he was. And I think you saw the shock uh, from wrestling fans across the world at this news. I mean, look, uh, th- they wrote a story about him in the New York Times. And that's really all that needs to be said about that. Yeah, he also used the ring name Silver Kane, was Black Kane, Tiger was. for a that's bunch of times. So uh, RIP to the Silver King. Silver King wasting no time to get the offense going here. And we will waste no time to get right into the middle of this show. Adam's got – whoa, Adam's, Adam's raising a hand. What's going on here, Adam? Well, we're a few minutes into the show, BC, and I think you're burying the lead of today. BC, uh, the Silver King, will have our WWE Money in the Bank preview on YouTube. Yes, the latter half of this show, we hope you listen to it. But if you want to see our, our mugs on camera, you will be able to check it out on CBS Sports' YouTube channel. We're hoping later Wednesday afternoon. So be sure to check that out. We will tweet the link. Um, and, yeah, come watch us. You see BC all the time. This is your first opportunity to see the debonair Silver King on camera. Wow. There, no, no, is that a piece of meat our fans uh, should be ready to enjoy? I, at least a subse- subsection of them, I would hope. All right. All right. Uh, big week for pro wrestling. We nailed it. Also, hey, a big week for golf. I know there's golf fans out there who listen to the SOC. Hey, Adam Silver King himself, big time golf journalist for CBS Sports. Silver King, you fired up for the PGA Championship this week? Golf's big second of- major, bro. Big event, uh, second major on CBS. We're going back-to-back, moved up from August to May. Uh, our writer, Kyle Porter, is there in Farmingdale, New York, on Long Island at Beth Page Black, ready to cover it all week on CBSSports.com. And uh, his podcast, The First Cut with Kyle Porter, which is also on CBS Podcast. So you guys should definitely find those. And if you look, you want to follow this tournament hole by hole, step by step, brother, you can watch the live stream on Saturday and Sunday Download that CBS Sports mobile app. Check it out on CBSSports.com. Here's the catch here. There is no catch. It's totally for free. We bring it to you. You have to pay subscription fee. No cable package. No $9.99 in this one. But we don't stop there, obviously. We've been telling you about CBS Sports HQ. Get woke. Get on it. 24-7 streaming sports network. Really bringing you exactly what you need. News, highlights, in-depth analysis. I know you're already watching your boy BC previewing and breaking down the biggest fights in the game. And our experts really, really care about you enough to give you that insider info to help you set your fantasy lineups, place the winning bets, 
No fake debates, no politics, no off-the-field topics, only the stuff you care about. It's free, so make sure you fire yourself up. Follow CBS Sports HQ this week. Follow our guy Kyle Porter for this PGA Championship coverage. I mean, is Tiger going to win another major and pull closer to the Golden Bears record? Is Tiger going to have a rendezvous outside of marriage? You're going to have to watch CBS Sports (laughs) HQ to find this out. Hey, Adam, will Ricky Fowler finally win his first major? Man, we all hope that, you know, this is the type of event where he could he can hit the long ball. He's a solid short game. Uh, it could happen, but we've been saying that for years now. So uh, Kyle Porter, former Oklahoma State uh, student, certainly hopes so as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, we, we all root for Ricky. Seems like a really good guy. Seems like a fun guy. Uh, and yeah, I mean, outside of Tiger, he's he's the guy I'm rooting for. Yeah, one. I'm rooting Absolutely. for that. The Asian fellow with the cigarettes. I love that guy. The large man. Oh, barn rat. Yeah. Yeah, that guy is my guy. Pierre Bonrat. Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. Uh, he's pretty great. Um, not just the cigarettes; he gives big vape clouds oh. between rounds. Right is on the court. Vijay Singh cool. still on the juice? Is he still playing? He's playing. Uh, he's playing on the Champions Tour. Ah, the old guys. All right. Well, the other, the other thing you can tune in for at the PGA Championship is you can see John Daly in a golf cart. Uh, in case that interests you. What is that other guy? Casey Martin? Is he in the golf cart anymore? Uh, that's not even a name I'm that familiar with. To be no, honest, he had with the you. famous golf cart scandal. He had the illness. He wanted to. Play on the PGA Tour. Right, right, right. No, no. All right. Anyway, download that CBS Sports app today on your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, Apple TV. Start watching today. Adam, before we throw to the main event, quickly, did you check out Jack Swagger, a.k.a. Jake Hager, this past Saturday, Bellator 221 in Chicago, Rosemont Horizon, the site of WrestleMania 22, to uh, see his second pro fight? Did you watch that at all? I did. Um, It was okay. I mean, I, I, I don't know what – so, like, I know great MMA. So I watch the major UFC events, and when I watch the pay-per-views, I, I primarily watch the two mains unless there's another match that's intriguing that you or Brandon tell me that I should watch. But when I watch, like, low-level MMA, like CM Punk versus that journalist or some of the undercard matches in, in UFC, I can't necessarily tell who is good and who isn't. And for me, at least, he fits that category. I, I don't know – if he's just good because he's bigger and stronger than these guys, or if he's if this could actually turn into something for him. Well, I'll tell you how to watch low-level MMA and know who's doing good. Uh, normally, there's one person really in shape, and that was Jake Hager this time. <laughs> and then there's one uh, large man, and that was TJ Jones, the actual meat packer. They got him off of a slaughterhouse and brought him in there. I'll tell you what, that guy played his part well, though. He actually may get more work. Uh, Hager looked okay. Really, he dropped, and if you listen to the MMA show this week on the State of Combat, you heard this. He dropped a really weird post-fight interview. You know what? I'm rock hard right now with emotion. I got a phoner. Adam, he... Wow, he later tweeted, how am I going to get this phoner through airport security? Um, I don't even get it. Um, yeah. All right. Hey, uh, that's great, Jake Hager. Maybe we can get Lashley against Swagger under the Bellator banner. I don't hate how, this. How badly would someone like Derek Lewis beat Hager? They would destroy him. Hager like, does have... Like murder. Hager, Hager's a legit 6'7". He has a legit collegiate wrestling background in Oklahoma, but he's like 38 or whatever, and uh, he's raw. He's a good athlete, but uh, it was just weird, Adam... Uh, he held the choke way too long and then really healed off on the microphone afterwards. And look, I'm not against somebody bringing pro wrestling theatrics to MMA. I mean, you can argue Conor McGregor has made a killing doing exactly just that. But uh, it's just weird that what he's decided to 
to stick on to become a heel. Like, yeah, I, I hung yeah. on to that choke too long. What are you going to do about it? Come into the cage and kick my... Yeah, it's just weird. Whatever. We'll see what happens. It wasn't even heelish. It was just bad. Yeah, it's just, B- di- just being a dick. Yeah, it's just... But BC, dude, we've talked golf and we've talked MMA. What do you say we get to the main event? Uh, yeah, all right. I'm done with that. Caught you off guard. I beat his ass so sore, it's like he did a prison tour. Oh, boy. Speaking of prison tours... uh. <laughs> don't ever turn 40, okay? This is a great day for pro I wrestling. I don't want to. This is yeah. a bad day for BC this morning at the doctor's office prostate check. Don't oh. ever tour turn 40. Do not was it, do it. it was, let me, here's, the, here's the important question. Fingers or a probe? <sighs> uh, it was... It was <laughs> I, I, don't, I will not answer. I will take the my foot. I will just say it's, it's very uncomfortable. It's very, very, very... Very, very uncomfortable. Thank you. Moving forward, let's get into something that that gets me fired the heck up. This is the main event. And speaking of uncomfortable, that's how Vince McMahon must be feeling right now because AEW has announced a TV deal with TNT that will have quote-unquote weekly matches live on the network beginning this fall. And BC, there is a lot to unpack about this. But I want to start really right there with a DM slide we got from John Paglia. Kentucky Long Rifle, what is that, an email? And that's at John Paglia on Twitter. Just read the press release from TNT slash AEW. It states it will be airing, quote unquote, weekly matches. To me, that doesn't sound like an actual show. Am I reading that correctly? So BC... Is he reading that correctly? Uh, the details are still small enough that it's hard to exactly know what we have here. And anyone that follows, uh, from especially from an MMA fan point standpoint, there's a fellow used to be called Front Row Brian on Twitter. I think he's now the Fight Oracle, a somewhat connected guy in the MMA game. He tweets a lot about wrestling. He was the guy who I think tweeted first that this TNT deal was coming, but he was also the guy who tweeted first that this is a time buy. And he's subsequently been tweeting that, elements of this are time by ish and look that may be we don't know and just as john pagley was asking we don't really know exactly what this is going to look like uh i don't think it's you know they're launching wcw nitro now on tuesday nights it could be something similar to that we don't know so until we find out more things on that adam until we find out how will the bleacher report bleacher report live app be used in this um because if you look for a similarity in MMA, one championship out of Asia signed a similar deal with TNT Turner with Turner Sports, whatever Wagner Media Group. Is that what it's called, Wagner? Um, Warner Warner Media Group. Ultimately, what that means though is a once a month highlight show on TNT and live events on their Bleacher Report app. So, but I think this is an important topic to start off with because you're going to have to draw a line in terms of what's impressive and what's not. If, if elements are at a time by, look, I don't care. They're, they're billionaires, the, the cons, and they're going to have to gamble to make this work. We knew that coming in. It's not our money. But as long as this is a weekly show of some kind, once per week, and it seems like WWE had already gotten ahead of the game by putting that Studio FS1 show that they're going to have every week, hour-long interviews, inside, breakdown of all that. that, that Tuesday, I mean, Tuesday nights on FS1. That in theory would compete against it as long as AEW is giving you a weekly television program on TNT, not on AMC, not on True TV, not on any of that, then this is a success off the start right away. And I do want to pause for a second and just let this news sink in. Yeah, we kind of knew it was coming. We knew it was down to Turner and Showtime. 
Maybe we still don't have all the details. Yeah, we got far enough in the revolution where we started to believe this could happen. But, like, let's go back to where we were a year and a half ago. When we were tickling the tickling the the rim, if you will, to keep the theme going this this morning, um, <laughs> about what the revolution could look like. No, it didn't play out exactly like I thought with NJPW taking over North America, but this is huge from that standpoint. That in just over a year we are here, and that it's TNT. Like, I'll give the cons credit for purposely not trying to make the same mistakes as WCW in the way that they're going to attempt to compete with WWE. I know everyone's saying, well, the key here is that they shouldn't compete with WWE. Okay, one, you're right from a financial standpoint, but two, you can't make that comment. If WWE is the game in town in wrestling and you're spending billions to make a run at carving out your own niche, you inevitably are competing. So let's put that out of the way. And if you are going to compete, going on Turner, on TNT of all places... And doing a weekly thing is awesome. I would have loved the balls to do a TNA, Eric Bischoff, Hulk Hogan type move and try to go head to head with Raw. They chose not to do that. In the long run, it may end up being a smart move. But they're going to compete in some form against WWE, at least on Tuesday nights. And Adam, as long as what I just said, as long as it's on TNT and there's no shenanigans here, and they also have that streaming element for pay-per-views, it seems, with the Bleacher Report app, this seems like a winner. Yeah, I mean, I don't see any shenanigans, although there is the NBA season to consider that they have basketball, NBA, their number one sports product, Tuesday night. So maybe for portions of the year it goes to TBS, maybe a true TV, maybe streaming on BR Live. I don't know. And regarding whether this was a time buy, whether this is a rights deal, we we don't know, as you said, and we won't know because this isn't a publicly traded company. So we're not going to be privy to that information unless it gets leaked out. So that's not even really important. What is important is what you said. For the first time since 2001, professional wrestling will be on a major network and it won't begin. The show's name will not begin with WWE. And the fact that TNT is in as many homes, give or take a million, I think, as the USA Network is major. Yes. From there, I, I don't really don't care about everything else. Like, if it's weekly matches or if it's a weekly wrestling show, I don't know how big that difference will be because you can argue, look, three hours of Raw, we get like five matches anyway. So it's matches on a longer three-hour show that tell storylines and all these things. But I have a feeling, if you're asking me what my gut tells me, it's that this AEW TV show will be a mix of the Road 2 shows that Cody has on his channel the Being the Elite shows that they have on their YouTube channel, the Being the Elite channel, with wrestling matches. So almost, maybe there's like two or three matches highlighted a week that are that are live maybe from, from a, a, a certain area. And maybe they are taping some live segments as well. But there's also a bunch of taped content that they have from those shows that they're sprinkling in. Maybe those shows remain on YouTube and they use elements from those shows in this, like maybe it's one hour live, one hour taped, and it's all mixed together. I don't know what it's going to be. We're all guessing right here. But I like that it is an alternative, quote unquote, to WWE. And you should probably read the quote if you want or the, or the statement. But they provided a paragraph that tells us exactly how it will be different from WWE. I love that. And paragraph. by the way, and, and by the way, in this paragraph that you will read because you have a better voice than I do, it is saying they are competing because they're directly telling you we are not them. And that is competition. We are, they are saying, we are going to give you something 
that does not already exist. And why does it not already exist? Because what does exist is them and we are going to be us. And that is something that excites me as a wrestling fan because they're not just saying what TNA said or what ROH said, which is, hey, we're just going to do a wrestling promotion and try to win some audience. Yeah, They're saying we want to be an alternative. And to your comment from 2001, I think you do have to give credit, even though they blew it. TNA did go on spike at one point in that in that run, and so that's okay, that. Th- I mean, they attempted real competition. Unfortunately, they had like a bastardized WCW model of let's just get old names. It didn't work. Whatever. This is new and major because obviously they're trying to be new. They're tr- they have such a young roster. You go their website is up. It launched last night. You go look at the roster on there, and wow, it just jumps out at you how young this roster is. I hope that there's. Good mixtures of new and old, and I hope, Adam, that they go to the old model of the studio wrestling show. I don't have any rumors that they will, but I would much rather have a studio with a desk on the side and three rows of bleachers, almost a poor man's full sale, go back to the WCW Saturday Night feel, than doing a smaller arena tour and playing those house show matches on the show. We'll see where it goes, but this paragraph gets me fired the heck up. What you got? What do you got? Well, no, one thing I am curious about, and and I'm not really necessary for me to say it now, but what are they doing? Like, are they having house shows? Are they touring? And are they are they going to create enough wrestling content that is available to watch to keep people interested for an extended period of time? Because right now, and to no fault of their own, look, they announced it January 1st because it was a storyline and a planned thing, and they have to get this entire thing up and running from the start. But we've seen zero wrestling matches, and they're paying these employees significant sums of money, you would assume. And I'm sure that it's they're paying them minimal now and then more when they actually are active. But if you're going to be paying these people a significant amount of money, but you're going to say, hey, we're not going to be WWE and have you work 275, 300 dates a year, then how are you going to balance that out as a company? That's what I'm curious. Yeah, about. that you know, uh, you wonder what they're setting for losses in the beginning that are OK. Obviously, it's going to have to be heavy. I hope they don't overdo it early with the idea of house shows. We saw how much WCW in the early 90s before they really made that run were just hemorrhaging money with, with their house show tour. And, and, and it just, it wasn't a positive for them. I, I think in this day and age, you don't need it. Build up to your big shows, be old school in that sense, build up to your big shows being all about the wrestling. And then the week to week stuff is more storyline. I think what they've done with being the elite and the other web shows, they've shown you there's a different way to present wrestling. I hope they stay down that road and we'll see where they go. But here's the, what they're focusing on. Focused on producing fast-paced, high-impact competitions, AEW offers fans less scripted, soapy drama and more athleticism and real sports analysis. Analytics, I'm sorry. Bringing a legitimacy to wrestling that it has not previously had. Wrestlers will also be given more freedom to explore their characters and highlight their athletic abilities, introducing statistics to wrestling for the first time ever. AEW will raise the stakes for its matches and deepen fan engagement by tracking each competitor's wins and losses as the wrestlers pursue championship chips, analyzing their moves, assessing damage to their opponents, and providing insights into their winning streaks. A couple things in there, but I think most of it is jumping out positive because it's identifying some of the core foundational issues that we have with modern-day WWE, with things not mattering. And they're, if they're going to publicize wins and losses and make you care in that regard and make it more of a simulation of real sports, God, how could you be anything but excited? And I have no idea what the the advanced analytics will look like and the stats, if that's going to be lame or if it's going to work. But just that core, Adam, of we're going to let our characters find who they are and the wins will make the matches matter because wins is how you're going to advance to get to a title shot. 
that's going to eliminate so much natural frustration that we have on Raw and SmackDown, where every single week we go, does this matter? No. Why am I not fast forwarding? Right. Like Ricochet is now, I mean, uh, Bobby Roode or Robert Roode is now beating Ricochet and we haven't seen him in two weeks. Like it's just like, that's just a prime example of it. But and Ricochet I lost think, again this week, and we're going to see him in the Money in the Big match. So it's like nothing right. matters. Like, so I think that is very ambitious, that paragraph you just read. And I'm not saying it's not achievable. I think much of it is. I do think when you get into, like, assessing damage to opponents, um, analyzing their moves, things like that, it almost feels to me like they're going to have CompuBox and, like, a Street Fighter-style, like, uh, level of power. Like, it's almost like, like, it's almost as if, Kenny Omega inserted that language into the paragraph himself. And I think there are parts of that that might be a little too ambitious and perhaps not really thinking about, do the fans actually well, need that? Think or how do they, they could just use want, that. Or do they really just want to be entertained better? Think of how they could use that, though. I don't know how they're going to be able to assess damage. And if you're going to have like a – during the match, you'll have a meter on the screen that shows your <laughs> life or your stamina as if you're watching I mean, a humans. video game. How are you going to do that? But like, if that lends itself – to them being able to use some form of analytics, whether it's fake or not, to put over the impact of certain moves and it makes finishing moves that more important and protected, then that's another one of those anti-tropes, you know, one of those repairs they could make to make wrestling go back to its roots of where we're trying to fool you that it's real, right? That's what wrestling originally was. We're, we're, we're never breaking kayfabe. We're trying to fool you. The closer they can go in that direction, the more successful they're going to be. Okay, so that's okay, and that's a nice ambitious goal. But their entire popularity is about basically breaking kayfabe or tongue-in-cheek breaking kayfabe. So you're going to do that in your storylines, but you're not going to do that in your matches. And in fact, you're going to go far in the other direction in your matches. Oh, and what is Joey Ryan's, like, penis suplex going to what kind of damage is that going to put in so look i'm I'm playing obviously but i think it's ambitious and if they can meet that then awesome i don't know if every single little item there will actually come to fruition but you know what it doesn't need to no it doesn't and the timing is it couldn't be better for them right now as we build toward may 25th their launch show double or nothing because we've Look, last week was a rock bottom moment for WWE in terms of their weekly content, week to week. And what has happened since then in this week between us blowing up, rightfully so, last week's episode, just just destroying Raw, destroying what we assume to be a Vince McMahon-led vehicle here. Why can't they see what they have in, in NXT and Paul and the way they're doing things there? Why does the main roster have to suffer this much when they have this much talent there? And then you look at what's happened this week, Adam. Not only does AEW really pick the right time to make this kind of splashing news when fans are as worn down as possible, even though, and I'm going to give WWE credit, and we're going to break it down, Raw came back this week. Raw was back. It was back not to being great, but it was back to being a good show where three hours went by and I wasn't looking at the clock, okay? So that was a turn. They responded to record low non-holiday ratings and people like us destroying them. Personally, though, I felt they went back at SmackDown to just kind of mailing it in. We can get to that more. But certainly out of my point of the timing being right for the AEW to get you fired up for May 25th. Now you know they're going to be on Turner, which, by the way, let's not overlook the the connecting of the dots here. What, what Cody Rhodes is doing as the heart and soul of this movement is obviously ambitious, impressive. He's a maverick in a lot of ways, but he's being dusty. He's Dusty's son, and you love to see that. So him going to the levels of bringing it to Turner is just, it's great. I don't, I mean, like I'm a WCW guy. 
I grew up, of course, always watching WWF, but I enjoyed WCW more. They didn't always deliver in the pay-per-views, especially in the late 80s. They'd get you all fired up for these big ones, and then you go, oh, all right. But it just was. It felt real. It was something edgy. It was something better about it. I love from that standpoint that Cody is bringing this to Turner because it's connecting with the past while moving it forward. So great timing, but here's where I'm a little surprised, Adam. Because while this is awesome news, Turner picking up AEW, the revolution being real. Uh, Conrad, are you there for us? Are you there? Are you guys ready for a revolution? We are, Conrad. By the way, did you check out the uh, AEW talent page? Conrad listed as a as a broadcaster on that page. What a surprise. Yes, you have been saying all along, even though we asked Conrad oh on this show, God, are you employed? I am, I am stunned. All right, but here's my point here. Um, the impact of this news is certainly muted to a degree because we, we knew it came down to Turner and Showtime. This had broken a week before that it was going to be Turner, that it was going to be happened during the upfronts this week. So that's a little muted. But I'm like overwhelmed by the DM response I've received for the show in the last 24 hours. Look, there's revolution guys who get the juice that I'm spilling, right? They love steak. I love steak. We're brothers. We're going to hang out. They are ready, willing, and able, Chad Gable, for the Red and Black spinoff pod. They're like, BC, when we start in this, let's do that. But Adam, there are a lot of other people who either on your side in terms of the, the great battle of the bedsheets or are just sort of in the middle, and they're like, BC, we can love it all. You're a little bit too indie heavy. You're a little bit too can't wait for the great new IPA that's AEW coming out so you can be snobby and, and tell us why we shouldn't watch WWE anymore, which is not the case. I'm surprised at how many people from those population, Adam, came together at the right time where after last week's pod they have had enough, and then this news drops in their lap at the right time, and they are Fired the hell up. I could read you 25 straight DMs of people that are just like, I didn't believe in the revolution ever. You were a blowhard, BC. <laughs> and now I am ready. Let me let me read you at least one or two. I don't, do we know this man? Oh, we know Marty Merck, at Marty Merck from It's Me, Marty. You know this fella. Mm-hmm. He says, all the goodwill WWE has built up over the past 25 years of my fandom has gone. Deepest bench since we can remember more money than they can handle audience engagement like no other and this is the absolute crap we get the past few weeks i've canceled my network subscription sadly not even nxt can save it and if i keep my subscription i feel like i'm co-signing all of the crap they've been serving us interesting i've been resistant to your message bc but now i'm all in Bring on the revolution, not to overthrow the king, but to force the king to be better. I want steak. I'm sick of taco meat. End quote. Adam, a lot of great stuff in there that supports what the revolution's all about. Making WWE better. One more for you. From the prince that never promised. Do we know this guy? At at, uh, Wolf Pack's own. You know this guy? Stranger Danger. All right. He says, I'll be honest, Brian, when you first came to us from those dirty bed sheets at SummerSlam last August, I thought that maybe, just maybe, you had lost your damn mind. I have a reason to believe now that the revolution is real. I'd like to nominate you as the founding father of this revolution. You were one of the first people to speak it into existence. I'll be honest, now I'm excited about AEW. Before, I was never going to pay to see it, kind of like adult entertainment. 
I ain't paying for the whole scene. I would have most likely <laughs> just tried to find the good stuff for free somewhere. But damn it, it has showed up at my doorstep ready, so I have no choice but to indulge. So cue the zipper sound, because, oh, God, Brandy, I'm all in. Brian, like Ray J, you might have hit it first in those dirty bed sheets, but now you might have been the one to turn AEW into the Kim Kardashian of wrestling. So thank you, founding father of the revolution. Wow, Adam, that's just a sampling. We, we better hope AEW is not the Kim Kardashian of wrestling. But people are fired the hell up. So, Adam, my point of that long-ass rant is, if you're WWE, this is a bad week for AEW to be a couple weeks out from their launch, to be announcing this TV deal. And, Adam, I want to ask you, you and I read the same dirt sheet leaks. I believe it was Wade Keller's radio show where a lot of this leaked out. That essentially, Triple H is the is the most unhappy man in the world. Triple H may have liked tweets in the past week of people complaining about the product and saying they can't wait till Triple H takes over. And then there was a long litany on Wade Keller's radio show of of WWE writers. What what he got from me? This was amazing. Well, I have the whole thing, but let's get to it after you're the point you're making here. The point is making, and I want to ask you this: um, It's not just us. We are we have seen fans that are just disillusioned with the product. How yep. good is this timing right now for AW? Could it have been any better to launch right now? And are we sort of justified in our assumption based on all the stuff coming out that the problem with WWE is not the writers, not trips, not anything. It's Vince and Vince only. And he could be the CFO all we want, but he can't be head creative. And he is going to help AEW make progress more than anyone ever could because of being stubborn. Take the keys away from grandpa. Sure. So we will get to those comments that you're talking about shortly. They're all kind of second, third hand things, and it's tough to take full stock in them, although they're basically things that you and I have said on this podcast, so we want to believe them. But this was the perfect timing for AEW because WWE, I said it last week, hit rock bottom, period. And that's their own fault. It's their own fault for Vince McMahon conjuring up the stupid wild card rule, treating us like we're idiots, and I won't repeat my whole rant from last week, but doing things that they think would save it, which is the exact opposite of what they need to do, where it's focusing on stars and not content. So not only was that the case, now AEW has this plan to announce this. They have this first pay-per-view coming up in Double or Nothing on May 25th, and it's bookended on the other end by another WWE PR disaster in Money in the Sand 3, what is now called Super Showdown, which, by the way, was the name of the Australia pay-per-view <laughs> last year. <laughs> and aren't so they doing a 50-man battle royal in this, too? A 50-man battle royal, which I understand why it's a battle royal instead of a Royal Rumble, because 50 entrances, it takes forever. It was That was tedious and really annoying. But we're getting off topic. Um, that's in the future. So AEW has like, positioned itself right in this comfortable zone of fans being pissed, media criticism, and oh my god, there's this new pretty shiny toy called AEW, and it's nice and gold. Um, so I do think they they lucked into this timing because there was no good reason for WWE to be rock bottom at this moment, coming off of WrestleMania with Money in the Bank, their fifth biggest pay-per-view every year this week. There's no reason that this week should have been singing the praises of AEW when WWE very well could have been putting out a super strong product. People could have said, oh, that's cool, AEW is coming. And now they're saying we need it. Yeah, and Adam, will you 
I, I want to ask you legitimately, will you agree for all the fun we've had with it that my post SummerSlam rant, which I still stand by today, was it an awful show? No, it wasn't up to the level of what we expect. Was that the beginning of this of where we are now in your eyes? I know we had moments in between. Daniel Bryan, Kofi Kingston. I want to I want to understand the question. Are Becky, you okay, that show or your rant? Well, that show and my rant are, are one and the same. They're, they're, well, no, because one one you're giving yourself credit for the revolution. They have the consummated. Okay, I'm not giving myself <laughs> the credit for the revolution, although I was I'm, clearly I'm, woke. I was ahead of this. I'm trying game. to understand the argument, though. Go ahead. My yeah. argument is this: Was that in reality a turning point of the creative? Yes, we still had. Big ticket moments. Dan O'Brien's heel turn. Kofi Kingston's story. Becky Lynch's The Man run was as good as anything we've seen in a long time. The end of Rousey's run. All of that. But on the main roster, I think feel like, feel like SummerSlam was the beginning of them of them hemorrhaging their soul creatively. Yeah, one or two storylines at a time were working. But the more I look back at this mania, was it entertaining? Yes. Did it live up to what it could have been? No. Was 19 hours, ridiculous? Yes. It's it's just to the point where it's like, you ever have a really rich friend as a kid and you go over his house and he sucks? But you're like, well, he's got every video game and his parents get pizza every night. But you're like, man, I, this sucks though. He treats me bad. He smells. Mm-hmm. Like, that's what we have become like fans. And I think the turning point may have been SummerSlam. So I'm not going to agree with you. I, I think that SummerSlam rant and... I mean, look, our audience was 98% in agreement with me coming out of that. You just went too far, and for some reason, you had an experience being there that we, as fans, did not have watching it on TV. Where I think this really started going down was, remember, like, two years ago, year and a half, two years ago, when SmackDown was awful? Like, when we were talking about, like, Road Dog needs to be fired this is the worst WWE product we've ever seen. Yes. I think it was maybe coming out of that WrestleMania, like with the never ending Bray Wyatt, Randy Orton. And then backlash was like a repeat of the same crap. Um, and they refused to end storylines and, and SmackDown was just awful. And that was before it significantly turned around and became the best product that WWE had, at least in terms of the main roster. That time is when I think creative really started taking a crap. And because there was no saving it. They couldn't figure out how they had like three months until WrestleMania and they could not figure out how to take this brand that was hemorrhaging uh, viewers and was getting massive criticism from fans. And Raw wasn't great, but it was at least good at that time. They could not figure out how to turn that around. And then they did with the superstar shakeup that year. And the result of it was Raw being awful or, or bordering on awful to good for an extended period of time. So that's where it started. Not so much that SummerSlam and your rant in particular, I still think was the worst thing you had done on the show. No, it really was the most honest of the best. And I stand by it, but it's interesting. All of these decisions, Vince, as the patriarch has made Adam from selling of the soul to Saudi Arabia to look, there are times along the way where we're like, okay, that wasn't the creative build I would have done, but they entertained me in that pay-per-view. So I'm going to go home happy. And then there was me kind of going, man, but you go watch those great NJPW cards and you're getting steak. There's so much steak that they're taking extra pieces of steak and filling the orifices of your body that don't have room for steak. They can't stop putting meat inside of you. That's how good it was. And we're like, why can't WWE be that? And for a while it was okay to go, all right, it's not that. It's a different thing. They've got to appease different people and entities, blah, blah, blah. But we still got enough creative. 
that we could grab onto. Now, the train's off the tracks. Even though I liked Raw this week, the train is off the tracks. So we're established that it's great timing for AEW, whether they're good, bad, great, indifferent, to launch right now. But let's go back to that point about the thing that we've teased forever. That all this is Vince's fault. But we always hedge that with, well, we don't really know. Yes, we hear the stories of the fired WWE writers who say, we all have great ideas, Vince just won't greenlight it. Yeah, we hear the story of this or that. We make the joke, pillow talk at night with Steph and Paul after their 1 a.m. workout. Is Paul just like, I can't take it anymore. This guy's ruining my people that I've created. This guy's ruining our product. If this keeps up, we'll be hemorrhaging millions. Adam, I'm starting to believe, and I know it's supported by these second and third hand uh, dirt sheet rants, but where there's smoke, there's fire. This is 1 million percent a Vince problem. And with the XFL coming, and all the sins he's done that he's gotten away with, and, and I only mean sins against the creative foundation of the product. That, that's the sins I'm talking about. Right, not counting all the other real life ones. Right? Yeah, but the sins there. against the, 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 you know, the not connecting dots, the last minute changes, all that stuff. Is it going to catch up now? Like, do they need a giant intervention? Because I don't care what they say. Vince's money and his time and his mind is going to be split when XFL falls, and there's no chance he's given up the final stamp on the WWE uh, assembly line. There's no chance. So is it time for the head of Fox, the head of NBC Universal, and Paul to strong-arm Vince, sit him down, get Stephen Shane in the room, and be like, Dad, we're not letting you drive anymore. And that's I mean, the way it is. I mean, you would assume the TV contracts are iron, ironclad and Vince owns majority shares in the company. So I don't know what they would really have, what leverage they would have to make something like that happen, BC. But we are going to actually talk about the positives of WWE in a moment from this past week. But let me read some of these notes. Um, so what happened was Wade Keller had a – he has a pro wrestling post show. And for any of you not familiar with Wade Keller, he's one of the longest tenured professional wrestling journalists and someone who – and candidly, I don't know – currently if the news he breaks is still all, all you know solid and if he breaks a lot of stories but in the past he certainly used to um and apparently he has this show and it was after raw um and he had someone who said they were a current wwe employee and former writer or current writer i'm sorry and he gave them credence and said this person is legitimate so this person apparently uh noted a number of explosive things on the show and and we did not prepare this for the show so i'm going to try to read these notes as i go through them He's this guy said the most frustrated person in the back every night is Triple H. Uh, he'll always take P, uh, the wrestlers, especially NXT guys, under his wing. It looks like he's consoling them. He is the must, most frustrated person in the building every single night. That's quote unquote. The wild card rule was not in the script for Raw when it was announced last week, which goes to tell you why that was such a bleep show and how they had to keep correcting it throughout the entire night. The superstar shakeup changed week to week and it didn't pan out. How it was originally laid out months prior, everything changed just because Vince decided to change it. Uh, there was a big turnover backstage, people quitting, getting fired. The Raw and SmackDown teams are now the same. The writing teams are the same. That, that for makes shows. sense. They used to be separate, but that changed after the shakeup. And no doubt about it, like, like you just said, BC, that has been obvious the last couple of weeks. Um, Caller emphasized the problems in WWE are not creative's fault. And just Vince McMahon, he is the one person who deserves the blame. Vince wants suggestions from everyone, but they never get on TV. 99 times out of 100, uh, Vince will reject the idea. And, and to stop uh, you there, every fired writer or read Justin Roberts' says book, the same thing. everyone says the same thing. The ideas are amazing, but you have to learn how to write to, to make Vince happy, which is stupid 
crap jokes. It's potty humor. Right. Uh, the entire creative team has pitched to have Raw and SmackDown look completely different with different production, a different way of shooting things, et cetera, and McMahon shoots it down. That's something that I said to you like six, nine months ago that I thought was the direction yeah, they we've been talking about that for years. In 2016, yeah. when they went back to the brand split, SmackDown originally was shot differently. They had that yes. jib in the ring, but I, you could see where Vince irons out everything. You yeah, just... and now the only difference is like where the announcers are. Yeah. That's it. Um, Vince doesn't keep track of what's going down in NXT. He, quote-unquote, maybe watches TakeOver. Now, we've been told differently from Paul that he, he watches every TakeOver from start to finish, but whatever. Um, that all He says all Vince does is watch WWE and work out. He's not aware of things going on in the real world. There is no chance of Vince stepping down. Dana Brooke has been the hardest worker in WWE for the last three years. She goes to the PC, shows up early, helps set up the ring, and gets in the ring so she can get better. Creative made multiple pitches for her, and nothing ever happened until Money in the Bank this year. Um, they're all working with Dana Warrior, and it's really really awkward. That's a quote-unquote. <laughs> she's the boss uh, in creative right now. That's actually a thing. She's what? She's one of the bosses in creative right now. I don't think she's a boss. She's just the woman. They're all the, working like, for her, was that The line? women. The women are, I think. I, I don't know. Uh, the Fox WWE contract prohibits Fox from moving the show to FS1, even if the ratings drop. One writer is very close to quitting because he is, quote, so unbelievably happy, uh, and many of the writers are paranoid. They think they're close to getting fired, quote, unquote. It is such a toxic atmosphere, and it's all because of one person, namely Vince. Uh, when Neville walked out, there was a crazy shouting match, and he flipped out on Vince McMahon. That was the last time he was seen. That was a previous story that had been told before. Uh, ideas never pan out as originally planned because writers come up with stuff, and Vince loses interest after a week or two. An example is Mojo Raleigh. Um... Bruce Pritchard is a pleasure to work with. Uh, Shane, Triple H, and Steph have tried to talk to Vince, but it hasn't worked. Uh, people on the writing staff listen to podcasts, and they hear fans bashing them. It breaks their heart, quote unquote. And this is we so, know they listen to this show. This is so uh, weird, Adam, because like you hear that, and look again, we don't know if you can believe this, but again, where there's smoke, there's fire. A lot of these we've heard before. If they're making attempts to to have these interventions. All Vince has to lean on is the money they're bringing in. They've never been more financially successful. It's insane the financial success they're having. And yet they're watching certain elements of the soul being hemorrhaged here in, 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 in certain decisions that are going to lose long-term customers. So it's, it's a ripe time. And these yep. all make sense. I have to, Adam, I'm going to believe it because we see it play out on Monday and Tuesday nights, and then you see the drastic difference when you watch NXT or even 205 Live, which has been really good the times I do watch it. Everything makes sense. Everything is, is steak, or at least uh, at least as close as you can get to, to top-level beef. And even when it's not good, it's ambitious. And it's just, you can't tell me after watching both shows that it's not a Vince problem. So this is wild. Wild, couple Adam. More, couple more here. Vince is in the announcer's ear, quote-unquote, to a sentence. Uh, Sami Zayn's promos are not his own. That's Vince speaking through Sami Zayn. There are 37 total writers that are now working on both shows. And that's what I said a couple weeks ago. I knew there were too many. You got to cut that number down probably in half. Andrade went into Vince's office and asked for a push. Vince looked at him and said, quote unquote, learn some English and get back to me. Andrade has spoken English the last couple of weeks and he's been taking English lessons, which is probably a good thing. Actually, let's be honest. Uh, Firefly Funhouse all Bray. Um, the Revival Uso storyline is being done because Vince just thinks it's funny. That's what I said. And last but not least, some of the writers think Road Dog will eventually end up in AEW, wow. which I think is an interesting That's addition. Billy... But, but as you said, BC, 
none of that is really surprising. If you asked me to guess what was happening backstage, I'd probably get 90% of that. And we've said it on the show. So it's just it's crazy that indirectly, again, without realizing it because he's so stubborn, Vince is giving AEW every chance to succeed. Because let's just say, because we knew AEW was coming for a while. So let's say nine months ago, Vince wasn't this stubborn. He said, Paul, I want you to come in with me. I want you to book the damn territory, all right? I'll be overseeing everything, but I want you to book it, and I trust you. Adam, if they had attempted to do nine months of hot freaking fire booking, NXT style, you're te- like they could be so far ahead of the game as AEW launches that people wouldn't care. Now, as you see by these DMs, again, not from people that love them some BC, people that, that were against me are just like, you're right. So it's weird this is happening. I got one final question for you, and then we can move on. From a guy we love, Black Sabre Jr., at underscore Black Sabre Jr. Good stuff here. We all tend to agree that competition is good for the main roster product. But is competition actually bad for NXT as it pertains to AEW moving forward? Is there, if there is an AEW do top indie names like Adam Cole, Sami Zayn, etc. agree to go to full sale for 18 months on de- developmental deals, which I'll jump in and say we've heard that those are very cheap developmental deals. Uh, not all of them. Uh, the, the, the top indie names they bring in, they're paying more because they realize it. But in, in general, you're being paid less. You're not on regular TV. Instead of being on cable every week, think specifically of Kevin Owens, who was offered a, quote, prove it contract initially. Granted, that was 2014, 2015, but still, he also says, also, wouldn't the most Vince thing ever be to rush the call-ups whenever he feels the need to now? So, Adam, the reason why I think this question is brilliant is because we don't talk about this much as it pertains to NXT. It's NXT is arguably already better than AEW could ever be, yet Vince doesn't seem to know or care and doesn't push it. So, will AEW begin to steal the kind of names that would have gone to NXT in the past? simply out of the creative control and now the money and now the exposure of, hey, do you want to be on TNT competing with WWE or do you want to be buried on WWE's network making less money living the collegiate PC life, which is plus or minuses? That's interesting, as will if AEW starts competing at him and starts to have success. How much will Vince bastardize and ruin NXT in in an attempt to try to band-aid and cut and paste? Well, well, don't forget that you're talking about a uh, about NXT like it's JV and like the the JV guys never go anywhere. Well, they treat so, it like JV. That's why. I'm well, saying. no, but 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 that's not the thing. It's it's NXT. The reason they're, some of their contracts are low is because they're being paid salaries to train as wrestlers. A lot of these people that sign these deals, and yeah, you're you're pointing out Kevin Owens, but I can point Finn Balor or Shinsuke Nakamura or whoever. A lot of these guys that are signing these deals that are the the newer younger guys are going to train to learn how to be a professional wrestler and how to be a sports entertainer in WWE's universe. We speak to Ricochet later in the show, and what he told me the first time I spoke with him a few months ago, I asked him directly about NXT if it's living up to his expectations. He goes, not only is NXT living up to my expectations, the performance center is exceeding my expectations because as great as Ricochet is in the ring, he can't really cut a great promo, or at least he couldn't. Now he's totally like fine on promos, and maybe one day he'll get great. The guy gets to work with Shawn Michaels every day with his promos, right? AEW is not set up with that type of infrastructure. Also, AEW, if you believe what they say, has a finite roster. So yes, there might be a scenario where like an Adam Cole is suddenly available, and maybe he chooses to go 
to AEW. But WWE still has the ability to say, okay, you took Adam Cole. Cool. We're going to take the next five guys that we want and we'll overpay for them a little bit because you can't do that because your roster is full. Because you're not touring enough. You don't have enough TV. You don't know what their situation is. You don't know what their TV contract is. If they don't have a rights deal, they're not making tens or hundreds of millions of dollars a year that they can now use to pay talent. So that's a big stretch to say that without actually knowing. At that same point, there is a scenario where someone like Johnny Gargano, perhaps his NXT contract, is finishing up and WWE offers him that main roster deal. And he says, you know what? I'm going to wait. And I'm going to see what AEW offers me. And maybe AEW comes in and offers him a significant contract. And he says, yeah, WWE might match that. Or maybe they won't. But it's close. And I get to work less. And I go over there. And WWE loses a big star out of NXT before they ever get to the main roster. Now, I don't know how those contracts are structured. I don't know if it's WWE's option to extend them. I'm not sure about any of that. But I think that is a more likely scenario than the other one that you're talking about. Because right now, WWE just brought in a class of guys, new guys in, in NXT. That's incredible. I right, mean, but DJ not, Z, but not every Shane Strickland, uh, Kushida. I mean, come on. But not every indie star coming into NXT wants or necessarily needs the PC, although I'm not doubting what it does to improve everyone. And I guess my bigger point is ultimately this. When you go to NXT and you sign with them, you know you're going to be a part of something magical. You know you're going to start to get that WWE stamp on you and have a chance to be called up. But if you're an artist in this, you have to look at, look, I'll have a season in quote-unquote college where I'll be in NXT and everyone will love me and I'll be great. But when I go up to the main roster, especially if I'm not that big, do I have any chance of doing anything fun with under a Vince McMahon-led product or will I just be another hand? Yeah, I'm getting paid a lot, but I'm working crazy hours. I don't have any control over my creative, and I'm doing stupid things, and wins and losses don't matter. Or I could go to this other thing where if I'm good enough, I have a chance to still be on regular TV, expand my character at my own means. I'm just saying right now, if WWE doesn't change the culture of what the main roster is, where it's scripted to the core, wins and losses don't matter, then you're going to see a lot more of these artists go, I have no use for NXT because at some point they're going to panic and pull me out of NXT. And then it is what it is. It's a wild time right now, Adam. I want to see, I'm excited to see if AEW has success. What will be the first change from WWE? Because they always seem to panic. Vince doesn't think, well, it's a superstar problem. I just need more superstars. When NXT's already proven, it literally doesn't matter who they have there. The system around them is so great. They make greatness they take people that aren't that great and make them great it's a system that works so is vince's thing going to be like constantly shuffling the lineup or are they finally going to go the future of wrestling in 2019 is unscripted so let's change yeah and that's what it needs to be and that's what you and i have been talking about i just wanted to add one thing to something you mentioned earlier about frustrations with vince booking and you know triple h and staff and shane and, and changing that let's not act like these frustrations are new okay because There's long been issues with Vince's booking and with the creative direction of WWE. And the two primary examples are his absolute refusal to turn John Cena heel when crowds were absolutely crap and the the women and children still loved him. But the male viewers were turned off of the WWE product when John Cena was just an endless face. And for a short period of time, they had CM Punk to latch onto. And that worked because he was able to play that 
badass face character opposite Cena, who they still refuse to make a heel, right? But when Punk left, they just shrugged and said, okay, Cena's the the top face again, and and that's what we're going to do. And the refusal to not – they didn't have to go Hollywood Hogan with him. But they should have, for one of his breaks, had him come back very different in that era before they really started pushing Roman Reigns. That was a missed opportunity. Then you had the Roman the, – you've had this Roman right, Reigns booking scenario since they w- 2015. Right, but the product suffered because of it because Vince was making decisions that That's were what I'm saying. merch and financial based above the story. And guess what? WWE from 2010 to like 2015 or 2014 – was awful outside of a two or three giant storylines. It was not good. It was not fun. I wasn't watching week to week for a reason. And that's exactly what I'm saying. So it's, it, it was the Cena situation and then the same situation with Reigns and Lesnar you know, holding the title captive the last few years where even if we did love other things that were happening in the company, the top, and I said this for a long period of time, the top of the company was always Reigns and Lesnar, one guy who wasn't there and one guy who wasn't over, but they kept Pushing him, and by the way, BC, and we'll talk about everything th- that we felt was improved this week from Raw and SmackDown. One thing that was not improved that is going down the spiral, the downward spiral that I knew it would be the second the the, the referee's hand hit three and that Roman Reigns Drew McIntyre match at WrestleMania. They are pushing Roman Reigns like he's the company's only top male star again. They're airing four minute promo packages every single week of this guy's career retrospective. They have him opening both Raw and SmackDown, and you know that British fans are smart. They booed him because as much as we love him, the fact that he was able to come back from a, from a leukemia diagnosis uh, or, or, or recurrence, I should say. We love that he fought his way back. We love that he had the ability to be in WrestleMania. But all WWE has done since is push this guy as the same stale right. Roman Reigns character, character, and you saw it again this week. They took away – he finally had character, and I don't mean storyline character. He finally had personal character to, to offset the, the forceness, and then they go right back to the forceness. They take away his, pers- his, his person inside. Yeah, look, that, that's, that's an overall issue and a major, major problem. Uh, it's exciting, man, because wrestling in the last two, three years, the independent revolution, it's turned, and there's a reason why there's a room for competition now. And you kind of just nailed that it. it goes back a long way where the stubbornness of WWE has opened the door for something new to come up. So we'll see how it plays out. I'm fired the heck up because, again, I want to see WWE change in the end. I want to see Paul get his just due. I want to see Paul get the keys to the car. It's about damn time. We all do. And the other thing we want, BC, is we want to hear a couple words from our friends and sponsors. Okay, BC, we're back, and we do have a lot of show left. Before we get to Ricochet, before we get to our Money in the Bank preview, Raw and SmackDown this week, I mean, briefly, it was much improved. And Raw, for me, I got to be honest, I was surprised sitting through three hours of Raw on a Monday night and saying, I don't really have much to complain about. Yeah, they they brought it, and not great, but good, good. And they needed to be at least good, because coming off of the rock bottom last week, and you knew this was a tape-delayed London episode, so we were all expecting the worst. It could have been an epic disaster. I will give them credit. The feel, everything was different. The matches had had an intensity to them. There were matches that mattered. Uh, Look, it was a slow start, but outside of that slow start, that episode picked up, and just it was a lot of good stuff, one after another, a lot of fresh, edgy stuff, and that was a good change. They needed to be there. 
I was disappointed in Tuesday, though, Adam. I, I, I Tuesday, I felt went right back to tropes. Tuesday, I felt went right back to look. The problem moving forward is not going to be that their top stars are going to have to be up here on both shows. In like the wild card thing, obviously, is the lamest thing ever. But what's behind the wild card idea is what we just said. The networks want the big stars on both shows. So I think there's ways they can do that without irritating us. I've said it before. Maybe you go back to not a title on each brand. Maybe you go back to just singular titles and you allow no. the champion and the person that they're feuding with to flow. And what that means is maybe Roman Reigns is a 20-minute match on Monday, but on Friday he comes in and he just has a promo segment opposite somebody. That would be a lot better than exactly what you nailed of Reigns coming down our throat because when they went back to the trope on SmackDown – of an opening segment, which was the same repeat as Raw, and then it turns into a four-on-three match. It's just like, stop. This is the exact thing wrestling fans are turning off the TV for because this match doesn't matter, and this argument segment is so predictable. These guys aren't even in feuds together. There's just extras hanging around. Yeah, is it cool that the Usos got their cousins back? Yes, but it's not going anywhere. So it's it to me, as high as I was Monday, that it didn't suck, and, and it was good. There's a lot that we could pick apart if we had more time tuesday was right kind of back into that like you don't get it so i'm not going to totally agree. i mean i do agree with that statement on that segment and i also tweeted something like th- uh, with tom phillips basically like hey we have this charlotte flair becky lynch retrospective of their careers that we're gonna we're gonna show you later in the show and it was actually very good but charlotte flair comes out to the ring says like two lines and goes and here's that retrospective so it's like why do you have the challenger who's supposed to be a heel coming out and doing WWE's work and introducing a video and then not – there's no segment after that. It, it was just mind-numbing. So I, I do disagree with you though. I didn't feel that SmackDown was as much of a step backwards from Raw as you did primarily because on both shows with two exceptions I would say, the matches were borderline great this week. Like I was – Fully sports entertained at the main event of Raw and fully entertained at the rest of the matches on that show, especially the Money in the Bank preview match and on SmackDown. The Money in the Bank fatal four-way match with Andrade going over Ricochet. Wait, is that what it was? No. Andrade going over – who did he go over in that match? Uh, it was. I ended up fast-forwarding through a good amount of SmackDown to frustration. Oh, he went over someone. Uh, it was great. I thought it was awesome. So – Balor. That's what that's I think what it was. Andrade went over Balor. He probably went over Charlotte, but that was after the show. Yeah. So so um I, I just I felt Raw start to finish was fully entertaining. I thought they somewhat realized what went wrong the week before and did not fall on those swords again. Whereas moving over to SmackDown, I think they kind of shot their kind of shot on Raw, and SmackDown was the old school like Let's clean up the pieces and send you to the pay-per-view. Did you say they shot and their load? I said shot their shot because I tried not to say shot their load. Good, but good, that's good okay. work. Good work. It's okay. Uh, so, so yeah, I thought it was solid, but my, my criticism from last week stands. By putting the big stars on both shows, you've basically taken the mid-card out of both shows. Yeah. We I, didn't see Robert Roode. I mean, we somehow, for some reason, saw Mojo Raleigh and Apollo in an awful match. But you're not seeing Robert Roode. You're not seeing Chad Gable. You're not seeing all Rusev. You're not seeing Shinsuke Nakamura. You're not seeing all yeah, these it's guys. It's going to kill the mid card. And, and by the way, they killed Mojo Raleigh by putting a Roman Reigns kill. vest on it's him a, in stupid eye paint. It's like he, that's done. He's that's done such a, a Vince move, and he's done. But the point here is 
so it does kill the mid card, and that is a problem. But if that's the world we live in, where you have decided to give two separate shows to separate networks, then you're going to create competition. So either you go back to those networks and say, no, we're, we're, we're going to keep the brand split, but we're going to even out the rosters, and we're going to give our best freaking foot forward, which they're not going to do. It's obvious because Vince just doesn't get it right now. Then I think this is the world we have to live in. And like I mentioned, there's ways to have the people on both shows without over-sasterizing. But what you have to do is you have to get rid of the brand split. Because, Adam, I jokingly reach out to you on Slack sometimes and go, wait, what brand is this guy on again? Because I don't know. Because it's stupid. There's no, The brand split's dead. By doing this stupid wild card, you have killed the brand split. So figure out the new world without a brand split. It, yeah, it's going to kill the mid card. But this is 2019, and they've decided to load this roster and not do anything with most of the people. That's on them. I want to be entertained for my five hours, so no, it's I, on you to do it. And you can't be doing the same thing you did on Monday night, on Tuesday night, all over again. So that's that right there. But something that hit a freaking home run on Monday night, Adam. A giant home run. Hit a grand slam. Grand slam. Was the Firefly Funhouse. Was Bray Wyatt. We don't have time, but I could read you 18 DMs of people flipping out of their shoes. And you know what I'm going to say? I'm going to say rightfully so. I'm going to say, I'm going to ask you something. Feel that. You can't help but feel that. Feel I felt all of that, Adam. And it's, 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 it's weird when you take a step back. We all watched that segment and felt stuff. And then I go, am I overblown it? Am I this excited over something that was really a man who switched clothes and the lights went out and then he turned around and he had a weird horror mask on. And I go, yeah, it's, it's actually that simple, but it's simplistically brilliant because of the layers they added to it. And because of the performer, as we talked about last week, a special one, a future all time one in Bray who can do these things that no one else can. And by the way, I love that dirt sheet reveal that you said that Bray is the mastermind behind all this. Cause nobody else could do it like him. That turn when he finally revealed the evil inside, it was creepy. It was awesome. It was everything. And they have an opportunity right now, Adam, to nail this. But to do that, the booking is going to have to be massive. The booking cannot look like regular WWE booking. He has to be presented as a killer, as someone new, fresh, different, amazing, unbelievable. He has to destroy people mentally, and I hope they will. And using this horror mask and look, that segment felt evil it felt legitimately evil they nailed it it can't feel wwpg next week whenever he makes his first uh match whenever they announce his first feud it's got to be giant like i'd almost want to go back to the anyone but you roman well and do a reigns uh wyatt feud because that's the right type of person that bray deserves to be opposite of adam they have a chance of course to butcher this and do the house of hardcore whatever that what was that thing they did that time with house of horrors house of horrors in the fridge and just ruin it but I want to stop here and say this is A++++, and it's fresh and new, and it's everything. Mwah. Chef's kiss, perfect. They nailed it, and the it makes the lead-up to it make even more sense. The prior three episodes in order, the things they did, it was perfect. And you're right. It has to, you, WWE likes to pride itself on high-quality production elements. There needs to be high-quality production elements when Bray Wyatt makes his way to the ring. And that doesn't mean it needs to be like WrestleMania 30, whatever was it, 33, with the, the bugs in the ring. I don't need anything like that. <laughs> but what I maybe need is a little like when they introduced Sin Cara, 
and there was like a different color light and the tone of the screen was a little bit more fuzzy and a little bit different. There needs to be something there with Bray Wyatt. And I will be honest, I really wouldn't mind if this is a legitimate split personality character. And sometimes he comes to the ring as happy-go-lucky kids show host, but has a mean streak. And other times he comes out to the ring as this character, not so much Finn Balor slash the demon, but in a way that plays opposite of that. And I could see someday down the line, not the stupid sister Abigail versus Pumpkin Demon, but this character versus the demon Finn Balor being a major match at a major show. And yes, we don't know what he's going to look like in the ring, and we don't know the specifics of it. What we do know is what you said. We know Bray Wyatt. We know what he's capable of doing. We have seen it for years. And Brian, you and I said for a long time, he would get into big matches. And aside from his one WWE championship run, he would ultimately lose. And he could survive it because he was that good. This character can't do that. And you can't expect them to put him over Reigns because God forbid they put anyone over Reigns like Drew McIntyre. But you can put him over really talented, big name guys and build this guy into a legitimate threat for a big time face champion. And you have him take the title he, and you change yes. your company. OK, and then you have to go all in, though, because you have to go all in. When he won the title, we popped like crazy uh-huh. in 2017. We popped like freaking crazy heading into that mania. And then, of course, the creative fell apart ridiculously that match was horrific bugs in the ring and you know what started to happen and they they changed the title for no reason and then they started to ruin him more and the more they ruined him by not caring about supporting his booking and doing good stories with him is we started to go you know what is he really that great of a wrestler and here's the deal he's a pretty damn good wrestler is he great in 2019 no and it became more about that so the one way they can screw him up is start putting him in there for 20 minute matches on regular tv don't do that do not do that with this guy Unless you're giving him two-minute squash matches where he's going to come out 1988 style and do something really creepy and gross, and you're like, oh, my God. Because that was something WWE used to do great. Jake the Snake, Roberts putting the snake on people back in the late 80s. Like There were certain people that could do the crazy supernatural gimmick, but they, they were so committed to that gimmick. Papa Shango, for example, that for, for a, or the, even the Boogeyman for a while, for, for a season. But you Underrated. Got, but you're going to have to keep it short. And I want him all over my TV, but not wrestling. I want the build to be to that match at the pay-per-view where we want to see him as a heel get his comeuppance, and then he's finally got to commit to wrestling. In the meantime, I want it to be supernatural, and I want them to go places with it. But to do that, they got to toe a, 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 a thin line creatively, and they've got to give him like mental powers. They've got to do things that matter, and it's got to be as less about actual wrestling as we can get, as we get closer. And in the end, they got to push him and they got to book him big. What I'm hoping, and I certainly don't know this, is obviously we learned that Jeremy Borash was a big part of the broken universe in TNA. Yes. And we know that Matt Hardy, while he is still wrestling, is in a producer role as well in WWE, or at least did some for a little bit of time. What I hope, with my hope of hopes, is that this is a Jeremy Borash and Matt Hardy production and you allow these guys to do, to do this and show Vince, because the only way that Vince will pr- approve one of these ideas, Kofi, Becky Lynch, things like that, is if the fans buy into it. The fans are ready to buy into it. The critical acclaim is real. The presentation has to be spot on. And if it is, the fans will buy in. It will get over, and Vince will have no choice but to push it. Yeah, That's at and, least and he's got a kid. Remember when the Wyatt family kidnapped – uh, the Brothers of Destruction about three years ago, and they dragged him out of the arena, and then nothing happened. And then happened. nothing happened. Uh, we we got to see that. We need to see people 
tied up in the corner of the Funhouse show. You know what I mean? Like wrestlers. We got to see that. And can you imagine him against champion Seth Rollins in a giant feud? Him against champion AJ Styles? Him against Brock Lesnar in a title feud? There's places we could go. They've got to commit to it. Guess what? Bray didn't fail us. WWE failed us. Let's keep that guy's right. career going. A couple more things before we get out. I'm going to give you a quick three-question hero or zero. Is the name hero or zero, BC, is the name Kabuki Warriors better or worse? Hero being better, worse being worse, than the Viking experience. Um, because of the names it's, a, it's applied to, the people, it's, it's, it's a hero. But it's a hero, ironically. It's one of those so bad it's good because we're, we're establishing here how ridiculous this is, that Vince is just like, oh, who do we got next? Let's give him a, oh, let's give him a 1992 WWF name. Here we go. You're the Kabuki Warriors. And it's so <laughs> lame, and it reminds me of the great Kabuki, that great uh, yeah. horror sort of jobber in the, in the late 80s that I, I love it. And, it. and I don't know if, there's a, if it's offensive to these two women, and it might be considering how great wrestlers they are. Oh, you're, you're Asian. You're not the Kabuki Warriors. But I actually like it, whereas the Viking experience was insulting to me as a fan. So a little background. I had that exact identical opinion to you. Here's what happened. Paige came out on Twitter and said Asuka and Kairi Sane came up with the name. They actually wanted to be called the Kabuki Girls. And then WWE changed it to Warriors, which is an improvement, if we're being honest. Uh, Asuka tweeted that much of her character is derived from Kabuki. And Kairi Sane has like a signature move called the Kabuki Forearm. So while I first held the same opinion where – does, isn't, doesn't that seem offensive? Is that just their name because they're Asian and like having that all in my head? They turned me around by saying, you know what? You're being stupid. And I'm not saying you're stupid. I'm saying me. Uh, you're, you're thinking too hard about it almost sometimes. Like you want to hate on things so much. And I tweeted that it was terrible. But you, you want to hate on things so much, me meaning me, Adam, that you hate it before you even think about it. Yeah. And when they explained it to me, I said, you know what? You got me. I'm okay with it. Can't wait so, till next week when the Revival get rebranded the Kabuki Warriors after that gangbang <laughs> at Raw 25. I, I don't know if we're allowed to say that. Uh, I'm, I'm going to have to figure that out. Nobody listens this uh, late in the show. An, another hero or zero. I'm not sure how familiar you are with the actual substance of his comments, but Laura Sullivan was fined $100,000 by WWE for racist, sexist, bigoted comments that he made as a younger man on bodybuilding forum. Um, he was not fired. He was not suspended, but he will attend counseling. Let's not forget, this is the same company, BC, that fined a wrestler $100,000 at one point for doing, I think it was Batista, for doing an unapproved blade job in a match. And this is the same company that took Hulk Hogan, its biggest star of all time, out of its Hall of Fame for years for saying the N-word on tape. Here were zero that this is enough of a punishment for Lars Sullivan. I got to admit that I'm... I'm torn on this, and, th and not just the Lars Sullivan part of it, because what he said is deplorable, obviously. obviously. But I'm torn on the idea that if somebody finds something really bad that you did earlier in your life, when maybe you were a different person, maybe you were going through really bad troubles, maybe you hadn't evolved and matured, and that that could stay with you. And I, and I get that that's life, right? If, if, I did, if I was accused of a crime and committed of a felony in my younger days, that felony's not going away, right? People are still going to be able to Google it. You can check my record. It's going to be there. It's always going to be a part of me. I get that. But I also get, I was, a, I did some pretty deplorable things before age 25 too. And I'm really glad not that those, social, not those, not that you. bad, but I'm really glad social media wasn't around to document that. Um, but since we are in 2019 and since things are 
in, in some ways really good, more sensitive these days, and rightfully so, and, and this kind of talk isn't tolerated, which, by the way, is an evolvement. Yeah, you got to come harsh, and you got to come real. I don't really know what a, what a fine does. I think the yeah, best – the best way might have been to fire him because of the sensitivities within this company already. You're already don't do race all that well. You've already got things going on in Saudi Arabia that aren't great. You already give out uh, punishments that don't seem to always equal the crime. And um, if he had been fired for this since it's 2019, I, I would have understood it. And I would have been like, well, you know, don't do that, bro. Don't do yeah. that. Or yeah. or go back and erase your tweets ahead of time or your bodybuilding forum posts. That's what, that's what I'm saying. It's like I'm torn in that regard. Not protecting his speech, not protecting him, but like, damn. I, I know I was an a-hole at some point in, in my life before I figured life out, but it is where we are today. So, yeah. no, this this seems minor, this effect. This, uh, the punishment in the end seems minor. Yeah, I don't care if it's 2019, 2009, or 1999. I, if I own a company and someone does that, I fire them. Period. End of story. Um, at a minimum, if I am a tr- company like WWE and I decide this is someone who is so important to my brand and so important as a superstar that firing him would be a horrible move for me long term, I suspend him for six months. I have him do the counseling and training and literally spend the six months doing that. And I have him come into the locker room and apologize to the, you know, the not just the African-American superstars, but everyone in the locker room for comments that he made younger. I went away for six months. I did a lot of training. Please give me a second chance. What I don't do is find him $100,000 and put him on SmackDown yeah. on Tuesday and on Tuesday night. And by the way, I fire him the first time this came out like six months ago, exactly. not just the second time it came out. And so, maybe I don't have him on TV the same week and have him go up to that short uh, female announcer and look at her with predator eyes and, and scare her out of the picture. And I, maybe that's just one of those times where I go, you know what? That doesn't put him in a good light. We're trying to bury this story. So maybe and, we'll just chill out. And maybe I don't put his first feud with an African-American man who he called out by name uh, in those bodybuilding posts in our truth. Um, oh, he did. Oh, I didn't. I, oh God. He, that's, yeah. oh man. You know what? I yeah. take back what I said, because here's the deal. If I had committed a felony as a younger man, like I said, it would be on my record forever, and I probably would have trouble getting hired. And while I do believe in second chances for people, and I and I and I strongly, you also have to pay the price forever of, of the decisions you make, to, to, regardless of the mindset you were under. And some things are too far and are, and are going to follow you. So yeah, I guess he got what he. Des- I guess he should have gotten more of what he deserved. Yeah, I mean, again, if it was someone like again, not that, not to perk this name person out, person's name out there. If it was someone like Chad Gable, who you're like. Man, this guy could really be like a megastar one day. He's just not there, but we want to give him a chance. You know, you you do a six month suspension and you do all these other things and you make a big show of it because your care as a company, it's good for your corporate PR, and you show your superstars that you care. You're not going to let something like this happen. Instead, they basically did the bare minimum. I don't know what he's paid. Maybe that's his entire salary and maybe that's really going to hurt him. But I don't care about the financial implications. I care about having this guy in my locker room around my performers without a suspension. And by the way, one last thing, Laura Sullivan sucks. His character sucks. His booking sucks. I don't even want him on my TV to begin with, let alone as the type of person he is. Get him away. Zero. Wow. Wow. All right. Last one for you before we move on. Did you get a chance to watch that Holy Grail, Bret Hart versus Tom Key match? Yes, I did. Uh, Presentation of that documentary is a monster hero. They had me. They had me, meaning I had no idea. Spoiler alert, guys. I had no idea Tom McGee was was 
going to be on that dock. And the whole time I'm going, man, too bad they couldn't track down Tom McGee. I really like to hear what he had to say. And the, the documentary was really presented well, even though I'm not a big Sam Roberts guy. I thought he actually did a great job as a, as a talking head in that. He had he Cassius Ono really breaking down the, the tape trading industry. And then to, to, you know, Bret Hart, of course. And then when the, the great reveal, I popped massive for the great reveal of Tom McGee. And then they played to most of the match and I enjoyed it all together. Criticisms, complaints, would I have liked more of Brett and Tom McGee breaking down the actual match? Yes. Would I have liked more of why Tom McGee didn't become anything? That would have been great. But while that's all a hero, it's a it's a massive zero to me of the timing of how they would do this to burn oh, Conrad please. and AEW. It is. No, it is. Please. Adam, they didn't care about this match. for, And I think they explained why in that documentary, why WWE might not care about this match historically, because it, it was a guy they thought was going to be great who wasn't, even though in this match, Bret Hart made him look like a superstar. So then Conrad and AEW announces during StarCast weekend, they're bringing in Bret. They dug up Tom McGee. They're going to break down the match and tell the story for the first time. And you're telling me a couple weeks before WWE finally wakes up, tracks down the tape from that tape trader lady. That's not how it happened. And does this documentary? No. That's that's revisionist history. That's not how it right, happened. How did w- that happen? WWE pulled The Undertaker out of StarCast when they signed him to his new deal. Conrad wanted – this story was told. Conrad asked for, like, Shawn Michaels as a replacement – Asked for Vince or Shane or someone as a replacement. No, 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 no from WWE. WWE offered to let them air this match for the first time publicly to a crowd as a replacement. This is WWE's property. It's their IP. It's their footage. It's not that WWE was never searching for this. Maybe they weren't actively searching for it. What happened is the woman on the documentary, the orange-haired woman, I forgot her name, was doing these tapes and whatever, found this. And started tweeting about it. And WWE reached out to her and said, we want this, please. It's our property. And and it became this holy grail tape that people wanted. So WWE was planning to well, use no, it. It had already been a holy grail tape. And air, it, and air it at some point. They did, yes, say to Conrad and, and StarCast, yes, you as a replacement for Undertaker, we're sorry, you know, blah, blah, blah. You can use this. And then StarCast booked Tom McGee and Bret Hart to break down the entire match and, and I guess their careers and everything else that happened. That's what happened. What WWE did, which you could draw a criticism for them, I am. Is, they ru- is they rushed this to air. That's exactly what I just said, Adam. That's exactly no, what no. I said. I criticized you them for— You said they didn't care about it until StarCast booked it. That's not true. Adam, they gave they it didn't, to StarCast. They didn't care about it. This tape has been known forever. This story's been known forever, and they didn't— track it down or do a thing on it and now that they know that the interest is picking up and that AEW uh, what like oh it's AEW yeah and now or sarcasm <laughs> I'm sorry and you're telling me the time like how do you hold that what the hell is wrong with you that you just tried you, to defend them the right timeline, there? I'm telling you the timeline that Conrad explained. Okay, but that timeline doesn't change the point of a dick move this is to rush this out. It's not no, a like, dick move. It's their property. It's okay, their property. And man. you didn't care about this at all until until Conrad books McGee and Hart. And no, they didn't care about it at all until it was revealed by this woman on Twitter. And then they reached out to her before StarCast was even a thing in terms of them booking this. Before that was even a thing, WWE reached out to get it from them to use it. Right. Then they offered it to StarCast as as an apology. Okay, but you screw them on Taker, and now we're going to screw you too by running this documentary to steal your thunder. No one had heard of their property. No one had heard from McGee. 
And this was a big hook of going to StarCast. Oh, my God, I could see this happen. And now we're going to run this just – like, Do you dude, think – let me ask you this. Do you think anyone is not going to StarCast because WWE aired this? I, I'm just blown away here, dude. I, like, I don't get how you could take that stand. Like, like that it's was such there. a hedge. You were like, well, let's not talk, call it WWE. But then at the end, you were like, well, if you want to call it WWE for one thing, it's the timing. I'm like, the timing is the reason I called them out. This was a dick it's move. It's their freaking property. And they only care about it so now. So they should let StarCast be the first people to ever air this footage. Well, even if StarCast doesn't air the footage and you just have McGee and Hart there, that's a holy grail thing. In an overexposed era where everybody's done dirty hotel shoot interviews to death, here's a guy who hasn't even spoken, and they got a chance to kind of break it and be the they ones right there. wouldn't have booked Bret Hart and Tom McGee without WWE allowing them to use the footage. Footage or not. The but they wouldn't have booked it. The hook is hearing from McGee, and WWE rushed this out to steal that thunder. And if you want to say, well, that's they're right. They own the video. I get that. But, but the timing of now is is curious after they've, they stole uh, Undertaker. Oh, they definitely me. rushed it to, to be able to air it first. I'm not disagreeing with you. And if you think that's bad on them, then whatever. But they didn't do anything wrong. It's their footage. And maybe the reason that they didn't have them analyze the match after the fact is because they wanted to allow StarCast to do that as the give back, as the apology. If that's I mean, somehow the case, I you're will... You're criticizing a company for using their footage. It's like saying, hey, CBS, uh, you promised the, to, uh, some footage of the first Masters to ESPN for a special documentary they're doing. You can't re-air it on CBS Sports Network. No, Adam, first. it would be like CBS promising <laughs> ESPN the footage, and then the next week coming out with a, the say, a, a similar Masters doc to but steal their thunder. They're doing it to a... Net, the difference here between those two is... As WWE Network is to, they have a couple million subscribers. It's to a massive audience. There's going to be a couple hundred or thousand people at this show. So WWE's fans shouldn't be able to look at it. You can buy the whole a, because AEW Starcast is going to show okay. it at a special show. Come on. I'm just curious. When the hell did you turn so corporate? It's it's a fair statement. It's a fair Take request. Take the Ellen and Mitch are wrong, Brian. There, there's the no L here, dude. There's a red and black spinoff podcast that starts next okay. week. If you'd like to produce it, we'll we'll have you. But uh, <laughs> Talkbox and I are are the revolution okay. begins now. All right. Enjoy your seven listeners. Uh, what's next, BC? We got a big show left. Well, Adam, not only is it time to preview Money in the Bank, but before we do, let's talk to one of the participants in the men's match Sunday night, Hartford, Connecticut. It is Ricochet coming at you right now. Enjoy. All right. Now splashing into the CBS Sports Podcast. You know him, Ricochet, one of the stars of Raw every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern on the USA Network. But Ricochet, we are fired up about Money in the Bank I want to see what you can do in a Money in the Bank match here as we get ready for Sunday's pay-per-view, 8 p.m. Eastern, WWE Network, Hartford, Connecticut, brother. How fired up are you after we've seen what you did um, in, the, in the North American ladder match in NXT to make another splash here on the main roster? No, dude, uh, it's, it's super exciting. Yeah, like, uh, again, uh, like you said, uh, that ladder match for NXT was my first ever uh, t- television is my TV debut for NXT, you know. So, uh, I, you know, I wanted to go out and I wanted to uh, make a big impact in that match. And uh, now you have the money in the bank, which is you know even bigger stakes for me. It's probably the biggest of my career. It's the biggest you know possible re- reward so far. And so, uh, yeah, dude, this is going to be crazy because uh, I'm willing. I'm you know me. I'm willing to you know do whatever I can to win that briefcase. That's what I'm talking about right there. And you're, you're, you've been such an aerial innovator, if you will, throughout your career that I'm kind of wondering 
what you can concoct, what you can come up with that we've never seen before on this level. Yeah, that's the thing, dude. The possibilities are really endless. But, I mean, it's, it's, it's a little more difficult doing those things than when I was younger. But uh, uh, it's, it's still just as much fun, and it's, it's, uh, it's still amazing. So, um, again, like I said, uh, anything is possible. How, how many freaking ladders and how many people there are there, it's going to be awesome. All right, this guy, 30-year-old Ricochet, acting like he's got a bad, you know, like he's like he's getting washed up here. Come on, this is the athletic prime right now. Let's not, let's, let's not Dude, tease this is, him. This will make uh, 16 years I've been doing it. All right, all right. Well, what, what, what's the key? What's the key to longevity when you have such a, such a fan-friendly style that, that uh, you make the impossible look regular? What's the key to, to keeping healthy in the long run? Uh, and. I've, I've later in my later years learned that honestly water sleep and stretching are the best things that you can do. Um, when I was younger, I didn't do any of that stuff. I would just do it and then get hurt and just continue to do it because you, when you're younger you just heal so much faster. So you just keep doing it. But now everything hurts a little bit longer. And uh, yes, dude, so much water, a lot of sleep and stretching, which I, I didn't used to do, but now I've found just it saves your life. Stretching is the best. I mean, how much water are we talking about? Are you one of those guys backstage carrying around like a gallon jug the entire day? What's your what are you doing with the water? No, see, I I have like a like a water bottle that it. I don't know for some reason I can't like if I carry a jug I won't drink the whole thing, but if I carry this water bottle that my girlfriend actually got me, uh, I drink like six of those a day, which equal about a gallon. Yeah, but. Uh, I can't do the gallon jug for some reason. It's, I, maybe it's too heavy. I just don't like lugging it around. I don't know. Can't do it. Sir, it has a look, too. It's but like you, that, that dude at the gym who's trying way right. too hard. That guy's got the gallon jug. You know, it's the Seamuses of the world. You know who I'm talking about here. That guy's probably stronger than me, too, though. Yeah. <laughs> Certainly stronger than me. All right. Look, Ricochet, you made a big, uh, a giant debut on the main roster, which we mentioned. And it happened, though, yeah. on the build to WrestleMania when you were one of four NXT call-ups. Yeah. I think from a fan journalist perspective we were shocked because it was right in the midst of setting the stage for mania putting things in order and suddenly these nxt stars are right in front of us talk to me about that process from your end how surprised were you at the timing of it oh man uh all four of us were super surprised you know because uh, uh we were you know we were starting to do the build for the takeover that was going to be before you know mania so that's what we, that's what we were at you know and um but like, you know, like, you know, the WWE is constantly moving. It's constantly changing. It's constantly innovating. You know, it's constantly doing something. And uh, it's always trying to find, you know, something new. And um, I think that's, that's what they wanted. They wanted some, you know, some new faces or something maybe on the road. We, you know, I don't know. But we got that call. And, dude, it's been, it's been wild ever since. Like, it's still, like, I have to stop and take a minute and be like, man, I was on freaking WrestleMania. So uh, it's, uh, it's been, it's wild on, on my end all this I, I i'm sure it's wild for you guys but man it's been crazy for us especially and you, me and alistair when we're pop 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 doing all three you're all smack down yeah and that was actually what i was going to say you you know you spent that time teaming with alistair black and we think at least because i don't know how else it would be possible the first team ever to have three title matches for three different t- tag team titles in seven yeah, days yeah. you didn't win them but that's another story uh the the team with alistair black unexpected i think for the fans but man, did it work and it got better and better. How tough was it to see that come to an end? And what kind of chemistry did you, did you develop with him? Um, yeah, at first, it, like, cause again, we've, we've known each other from the, 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 the independent scene and stuff. 
So uh, we and we we we've worked with each other on the independent scene uh, once or twice, but um, yeah, being put into the, the, the tag team, although yeah, super not random, but like yeah, very I guess yeah, random for us. Like we, we didn't know exactly what they were going to do with us, and um, but for on on what I think personally, I thought we we messed really well, and I thought like you said, I thought it got better and it got better and it got better, and by the end of it, we were really like flowing and like yeah our styles just really i thought meshed well and then uh yeah seeing he got drafted to smackdown i got drafted to raw i was like oh man it kind of it kind of sucks i mean it, it opens so many other doors for me which are awesome and avenues that are great and i'm looking forward to but you know like yeah it, it just really started to take off i thought and uh yeah then we got uh we got switched yeah and you you've guys have made such a incredible splash when you were a team and the booking seemed to be incredible you were presented as superstars right away not just hey look this guy can do some crazy moves you might like it this guy is a title stud right away is there any difficulty that comes with that when you're the new guy in the brand the new guy in the territory and the main roster and man you're getting a push you're deserving it you're earning it but you're getting a push past some guys that have been there a long time. No, I mean, everyone, everyone knows that again, like this thing, like, uh, everyone has ups, everyone has downs and it's just right now, you know, like I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm lucky enough to get one of the, the ups. You know what I mean? Like you can take someone like Kofi, for example, Kofi's had his ups, Kofi's had his downs, but look at him now, you know, he's on top and every, everyone will have those, even, you know, whether you're AJ or Randy or, you know, me or whoever, you know, we all have those ups and downs. And again, it's constantly changing. But uh, at the moment, like, you know, I'm just trying to take everything for what it is. And especially being new here, I'm trying to um, adjust and really, you know, I guess uh, adjust to the system and become a part of it and learn how to do it. And so I, so I can, you know, do the best I can. You know, you had created such an incredible name for yourself in different uh, promotions outside of WWE. When you came to NXT, though, and you got the Performance Center life, and to some degree, you you go through the, the, the WWE machine and you get certain parts of your game improved or ironed out. What was the hardest adjustment for you within this WWE style for, from coming from outside of it? Uh, oh, dude, yeah, definitely. Like, that was actually one of the the things that I was looking forward to the most when I, when I was, when I was getting signed was being able to come to the performance center to really work on the parts that I wasn't always the best at, you know what I mean? And I know like they would do that here and, uh, they, uh, being there, it really does. Like I was learning guys from, I was learning from guys like Shawn Michaels and, you know, triple H and, uh, Terry Taylor and like all these guys that Norman Smiley, so as far as like character and like promos and stuff, they were, they were telling me, they would say things that was so obvious, but it's so obvious. Like I just didn't think about it. Me, I was like, Oh dude, you're totally right. Like why wouldn't that or this or that? And it really like, I, I felt like helped me out so much as far as, and even with not even just promos and characters, like in the ring stuff that I thought that I had already kind of ironed out, they would say something like just to make it better. And I'm like, Oh, that makes it so much better. Why didn't I think of that? Uh, it was, dude, the whole process was awesome. And I have like no complaints about my, my time there. It's been, it was great. No, that, that, that's amazing that you're able to, 
have access to so much uh, learning opportunities and growth. And you also come so into much. and you came into NXT in a year that look, we can't stop raving about the twenty. If you if you're gonna take a snapshot of any wrestling territory or promotion in one year and sort of rank it against each other, you'd be hard pressed to beat 2018 in NXT for the match quality, the Dude, storytelling, awesome. the takeovers. When you're in the midst of that, I mean, are you feeling it? Are, are, can you taste the sauce? Do you know? Are you knowledgeable of how great the product is when you're in the midst of riding it out like that? Yeah, I'll, I'll be honest with you. Before I even signed to NXT, I had was like, I was like, dude, NXT is like the place to be, right? You know, right now, and like it only it, it just it grew and grew, and um, yeah, that 2018 year, like I. I I personally always try to take a time and reflect and make sure I'm like, you know, taking in what's going on in the moment. And so, yeah, like at a time, like I could, I could really feel like the buzz and just the, the fan support just grow and grow and grow in that 2018. And like you said, we, we all felt that, which is why we wanted to go out there for those takeovers and, you know, just, you know, kill it for you guys and, you know, do the best we can because we could feel, that emotion, that energy from the fans, you know, so we wanted to go. That's how we, that's why I felt like we really grew because we gave the energy right back and they gave it back to us and we give it right back. So uh, definitely could feel it, you know, feel that, that movement happening. You know, I'm interested in how much uh, comp- friendly competition there is between you guys when you, when you enter like, really? there, was, there was too. well, the idea of like, look, Let's go out and li- and literally try to put forth the best match we possibly could. I mean, we just saw Adam Cole and Johnny Gargano maybe author the best match in NXT history over the we- over WrestleMania weekend. Maybe off- author one of the best matches ever. You had you were a part of some really great ones when you look at your run with the NXT North American title, the match with Adam Cole at Brooklyn over the summer, the 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 match where you lost to Johnny Gargano in Phoenix in December. I mean, is it literally just who can top this, trying to one-up each other every time out? Uh, dude, that's exactly what it was. Um, we would all, you know, as we 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 get our matches and we'd all tell each other, and be like, I mean, good luck. Like, we're going to be matched tonight, but you guys, you'll have a good one. You'll be second. You know what I mean? We would say that to each other, you know, because, like, just joking, obviously, because but then everyone would go out and everyone would kill it and everyone, like, you could take, I feel like you could take any match at a takeover and switch the order up, and it would still be a great order. You know what I mean? But um, yeah, it was it was good. Yeah, it was a lot of friendly competition and a lot of love. And like uh, like we said, we all knew each other a, a, a long time before we got here. So we just you know, it's it's a new company. We wanted to grow as much as possible, and so we wanted to go out there and just give everything we got. You know, help it grow. And sometimes you have chemistry with with an opponent with you know the ability to make magic together that's just different from other people that you work with i'm interested to know which wrestler in wwe so far you felt that the most with um as far as nxt and wwe both i would say honestly it would be the dream yes the 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 stuff that dream and i did because before our, our takeover match, the whole buildup was just like story stuff. We, we, I don't even think well, we wrestled once, but Lars came out there and he, he beat us up. But other than that little bitty interaction, we didn't have a match the whole time until takeover. So the buildup was all just coming off of us and our, our story and stuff. And I thought that for me was like the first time really in my career where fans were this excited about a match 
but like I didn't even like wrestle the guy yet. You know what I mean? It was all just build up. So that for me was one of the first times that's happened in like my entire career. So that's one that really just sticks out there for me. And I think was just naturally good back and forth. He worked off me and I worked off him. All right, I love that you gave that answer because if you didn't, I was going to follow you up and interrupt you and be like, come on, the tease with that short feud with the Dream was was not just that. And not yeah. only just that, it was a tease, Ricochet, in, in, from the standpoint yeah, that, like, I we want to see you go a year and a half, you know, three, four giant matches, but also from the tease that I felt like watching you two work that whether it's a year, two years, three years, whatever, that that's like a WrestleMania main event feud. Like, I felt that electricity, that presence, the charisma, yeah. the athleticism. I felt something special there watching it as a fan. So it's great to hear you say that you were feeling the same thing on the inside. Yeah, definitely. Um, as, yeah, as far as, like you said, I felt like um, like that match could have went, like you said, a year, two years, uh, just build up, you know what I mean? Um, I even posted a picture on my Instagram of him and I and it was like, sometimes, you know, like you just have two guys that come out and bring out the best of each other. And you have like a once in a lifetime kind of feud thing. And that's like, I think we found our new one because I, I, I don't know. It was, just, it was a cool feeling. Like, I, again, I've never had something like that before in my wrestling career. It's interesting you mentioned him as well, because, I mean, you talk about you being a 16 year veteran at age 30. He got started young, too. <laughs> not not nearly as young as you, but. I mean, to talk about him for a second, what do you think his ceiling is and how impressed are you seeing how far he's come at such a young age and so green into the industry already? Oh, yeah, I hate his guts. <laughs> <laughs> no, the guy is like, he's incredibly talented. He just, being so young, he like gets it on a different level than I got it for years, you know what I mean? And probably even still do, you know? Um, he just, and he's got character, you know, and that character just, he knows how to play it so perfectly. And he's, I don't know, uh, again, for being so young and how just good he is, it's, it's, you, get, you, get, you, you don't get those guys very often. So uh, I'm glad we got him here. And correct me if I'm wrong here, Ricochet, but the work when you guys were bouncing off each other in those talking segments ahead of your first meeting in the ring where people were so excited, I don't know, I saw a different swagger on the mic in the Ricochet character building up to that than I'd seen at any other point in your career. It was as if the trash talk was could have been happening around the corner in the back alley. It just felt raw, real, uh, natural. Did you, am, I, am I speaking out of school here? No, that, it's, uh, that's, again, that's um, something from like Sean's class is like, you just gotta, we gotta find like who I am and, I think I've always tried to be like someone else. And then for those promos, um, yeah, I just kind of just kind of took how I would act around with my boys and stuff. You know what I mean? And um, I think, yeah, it, it just naturally came out. And like, like I said, for me, like that was like the first time in my career that I was, that was, I was doing things like that. You know what I mean? I was always just like the, the match guy, come have a match, leave, come have a match, leave. You know, there's never been this, this real big story build up. And so I was going to really take that opportunity and, you know, like I didn't want to, I didn't want to drop the ball on it. So I just kind of, I was like, screw it. I'm just going to be me. And I'm just going to, you know, go out there. And again, like the energy that he gave me, I just fed off that. Like we really had something organic, I think between the two of us, it's really like calmed me down and helped me, you know, just be myself. So I, 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 and I told him that too. So I think it had a lot to do with that, that, that mutual feeling. 
Absolutely. We will see you two again. I can, I can almost guarantee that down the road. But as we get closer now to this Money in the Bank match, and it's such an opportunity for you, your character, yeah. to continue to really announce yourself on the main roster. What's been the biggest life adjustment? Because we know when you're in NXT, when you're in the PC, I almost assume it on the outside looking in, it looks like a collegiate lifestyle. Now that you're on the big time, how is life on the road? What's the biggest adjustment been like for you? Oh yeah, man. Um, yeah, at the PC, like we we went we went every day, but I I went in and had like a, a session with Shawn Michaels every day, and we worked out every day. And but then I went home every night, you know what I mean. So I was home every night. I was with my girlfriend every night. Um, I got to sleep in my own bed, you know, unless we went on the road for the four days we went on the road. Uh, so um, I got great work. So it was um pretty easy. Not easy, you know, but um, as far as being asleep in my bed every night, you know, that's that kind of thing. And then now we are we're, we're on the road five, four days a week. And the one we're not on the road, we're flying or uh, like I said, we've been in London for the past five days. I think today is six. And we've been in a different city every single day. So it's a different hotel every single night. You know, uh, it's it's, a, it's it's going. But it's an experience, you know, it's really cool. Um, cause again, on the independent scene, I, I, I did my fair share of traveling here, man, but this one, it's a lot of places I haven't been. And it's with a group of people that's usually on the, in the independent scene. It's usually just myself traveling to this place back home, this place back home, but now it's a group of us. So like everyone interacts and everyone has a good time and try to, you know, not make it, you know, as stressful and as it is, but it's constantly going, but it's been a great time, man. Like, I, I I can't complain at all. No, no, no doubt. Look, I, I almost got to be crazy not to ask you this. For how insane the athleticism you put forth in the ring is, uh, were you a team sports guy growing up? I could have seen you, uh, you know, j- just, just imagining you adapting to, to any sport you would have picked up and been exceptional at it. Or was it wrestling or nothing from day one for you? No, I um, – I... All the way from like elementary school, maybe third grade, little Pee Wee football, uh, American football, up until I started training for wrestling, which is probably about 14. So like third grade all the way to maybe uh, freshman year in high school, I played uh, American football. Um, but yeah, then I, I, I quit the team because we were not very good <laughs> to start uh, doing the, the wrestling training. And that's like, yeah, 14. Wow, there's some high school coach kicking himself right now. Kicking himself. What 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 he could what he could have had, what could have happened there. Rick Shade, it's been a blast to chat with you, man, to really get inside your brain as, as your career just seems to be exploding right now. We see you every week on Raw, USA Network, 8 p.m. Eastern, and we're fired up to check you out. Money in the bank. We've seen what you've done on the NXT level in the latter match. We can only imagine how you're going to mix in and blend in what should be a fast, fantastic pay-per-view this Sunday. Hartford, Connecticut, 8 p.m. Eastern, when you join the likes of Braun Strowman, Drew McIntyre, Baron Corbin, Ali, Finn Balor, Andrade, and Randy Orton. Fired up for that. In closing here, what can we expect? What What's success for you Sunday night? Oh, you can expect me to be uh, holding that briefcase the next Monday. You know what I'm saying? Love it. Love it. Great stuff, man. Best of luck to you. Thanks so much for chatting with us. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. It's been awesome. Uh, Thanks for watching, guys. 
It is preview time on the State of Combat Pro Wrestling Podcast. Of course, the Brian Campbell, the voice that you hear. My buddy, the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, along with me. Adam, this Sunday, we know it, WWE Money in the Bank. Two briefcases will be handed out. Six titles will be at stake. But before we break down the essentials, before we get into this, we almost have to echo something we started this overall podcast with. The importance of this pay-per-view within this calendar year, within this time frame, May right now, and the changing winds of pro wrestling in general, even outside of the walls of WWE. Well, I wouldn't know, over, I wouldn't overly say, Adam, that I'm jumping through hoops with excitement with this pot, with this uh, pay per view, or that my expectations are large. I will say it seems a pretty pivotal time for WWE to deliver. Well, depending how you think about Survivor Series, this is either WWE's fourth or fifth biggest pay per view each year. But for me, Brian. What I find extremely interesting is the money in the bank matches themselves and the type of excitement and uncertainty that those winners provide the company from a storytelling perspective throughout the rest of the year. So last year, you know what we saw happen. We saw one get cashed in the night of, the other one failed to cash in in a surprise attempt on WWE television. They can't afford that this year. For a team, for a company that is lacking creatively like WWE is right now, these two Money in the Bank matches are exceedingly important, and I think this pay-per-view is important for the company. No, I'm with you on that. The, the Look, we know where we are right now in the thick of it. Independent scene is hot. AEW launching later this month. It's really on the WWE to sort of alter the course that it's been on creatively post-WrestleMania 35 in New York. Silver King, you and I, of course, were there for the... Uh, how many hours again was that? Was that about a 12-hour a experience there? Not counting being stuck in the rain in the parking lot. We've been there. We're back. A lot of ups and downs. Superstar shakeup didn't go as planned. The wild cards are messing all things up. But you know how we are as wrestling fans. It doesn't even matter which side of the street you're on as a optimist, as a natural cynic. They can cure a lot of wounds just by bringing it on the show. And I think certainly as set up right now with the 10 matches, it's set up to, to succeed. It's set up to dominate when you look at the talent that they have. But overall, Adam, that's a, a concurring theme with WWE right now. You're right. WWE is always one show away from turning things around. And sometimes we get that show. And our expectations and our, our excitement gets jolted. And we say, oh, my God, they finally figured it out. Here we go. The next X months are going to be great. But what generally happens is the pay-per-view is great. And then TV kind of fails on Monday fails again on Tuesday, and then we're looking at it like, well, what was the point of that great pay-per-view if they're not going to capitalize on it? But you're right. The way this card is laid out, the way this pay-per-view exists as Money in the Bank, as one of their five majors, I'm excited to see what happens once we get through this entire card. So here's my challenge to WWE as we start. We're going to break it down match by match, but it's something you nailed really off the top. You're going to have to make these briefcases matter. So I think you're going to have to be really careful as you enter into this show who you award with the briefcases and how you navigate the cashing in. We've seen it. We've seen rushed cash-ins. We've seen failed cash-ins. Last year was the perfect example, as you mentioned. Didn't seem like either the right people were winning it, and certainly not the timing of the cash-in with Braun Strowman announcing it well in advance. It sort of killed any momentum there. Adam, maybe I'm just old school, but I like the idea of the briefcase going to either somebody who could really use it. We're, we're thinking about a mid-card performer who hasn't yet had their due, somebody you want to take a chance on. You remember Baron Corbin a couple years ago? Him winning it, not a bad idea. Him cashing in on regular TV and losing to John Cena, a bad idea. I hope this year they make the right choice. Either go with somebody who can use it and get a rocket strapped on their back because, in theory, 
this briefcase is a de facto title. It allows you to present somebody as something without having to put a strap around their belly. You can take a chance on them. You can test the waters of how the fans react. Or you put it on a heel who can make it work because, Adam, tell me if I'm wrong. The briefcase belongs in a heel's hand. Absolutely. I mean, talk about two of the greatest cashins of all time. Dolph Ziggler, who got face cheers, but was a heel at the time, and Seth Rollins at WrestleMania. Those are picture-perfect executions of Money in the Bank. Well, what are the failures? Well, John Cena announcing it far in advance, Baron Corbin announcing it and failing, and Braun Strowman last year announcing it and failing, when especially Braun Strowman probably never should have won it in the first place because he didn't need it. So you're right. The briefcase has to go to someone, both male and female, the two matches, who need it and who it can jolt them into the main event picture. Putting it on someone like a Randy Orton, as an example, who's already in that main event picture or can be in the main event picture with the snap of a finger, it doesn't really do the purpose of the Money in the Bank briefcase justice. But BC, we do have this long 10-match card. We're going to get to those two Money in the Bank matches last. But we are going to start with this match that was just announced Tuesday after SmackDown. It's a tag team match between Daniel Bryan and Rowan, who are the SmackDown Tag Team Champions against the Usos. It's going to be on the kickoff show. It's a non-title match. I mean, we know this wild card rule is in effect, and their first match was great. But do we really need to see this again so soon? Uh, no, absolutely not. This is this is horrific here. We complain, I complain on this show, The State of Combat, every single week about how many times we're gratuitously seeing titles defended on Raw and SmackDown. Raw and SmackDown, where I come from, set the stage for the pay-per-view when the titles should be defended. I don't need open challenges. I don't need Kofi Kingston defending the WWE Championship on back-to-back nights for ratings only. So with that as the foundation, do I need a non-title tag team match? What are you doing here? Star power for the kickoff show, yes. Uso's established ability to make magic in big-time matches, yes. This is not a big-time match. Not getting good placement. Title's not on the line. As you would say, too much convolution in the standpoint of who's on which brand at what time. You know that saying. You know it's going to come out of my mouth right now, Adam. Give me four hot minutes and get out of here. See, this is one case where I don't want four hot minutes and get me out of there because it is the kickoff show, and you were right. There is massive star power here. Daniel Bryan, the Usos, the best tag team, and maybe the best wrestler in WWE right now, and they're on the kickoff show. And that goes to show you how loaded this card actually is. So I kind of wish, yes, it was Bryan and Rowan against another tag team from SmackDown for the actual titles. But if you're going to tell me, hey, you're going to have a 20-minute kickoff show match, this is probably as good as they could give us. So I am down for it. Now, I'm not sure about you, even though it's a non-title match, BC. I see Brian and Rowan winning. You're seeing it here, what they did against the Usos on SmackDown during that tag team match where they actually won the SmackDown titles. Do you see it going that same way in this team continuing their momentum, or do you think this goes the other direction? No, if the Usos lose here, then who are they, right? You just lost a non-title match. That's the end of the feud. The Usos have to win here to set up an actual title match. And I know there's problems here, right? Aren't the Usos on Raw? Isn't this for the SmackDown title? So if it goes the way you said booking-wise, then what are we doing? We're just using the Uso star power name again in a non-title bout. Adam, you were there with me on the build to WrestleMania 35 when we saw NXT hotshots Ricochet and Aleister Black. Hey, we talked to Ricochet on this ep- week's episode of the State of Combat, get punched up to the main roster, get incredible booking, and then fight for the SmackDown Raw and NXT titles in a six-day span 
and lose all three? And you're telling me the Usos can't get a title opportunity on the undercard? Give the Usos the win. I don't really care about it. Move it along. You don't like the idea of four hot minutes? How's eight sound? Because that's all the time I got for this. Oh, it's the kickoff show. You can just give me 18. I'll be fine with that. But you're right. Let's move on. There is that cruiserweight championship. Tony Nese, the new champion against Arya Davari. You know, I got to be honest, as much as you and I at times have loved 205 Live and loved the cruiserweight division, I simply haven't given it the time it deserves, although there was that awesome match a couple weeks ago. Are you up to date on this feud? And do you really care who wins? Or are you at the point where 205 Live is just something else that exists in WWE? Uh, sadly, it has become something else that exists in WWE, largely because there's just not enough hours in the week. I'm giving you five hours to the main roster on Raw and SmackDown. A lot of the times, I'm not fully entertained. I'm watching NXT. I'm trying to keep up on Japan. I'm getting fired up for AEW coming. Unfortunately, 205 Live becomes a casualty there. But like you mentioned, you brought me back in a couple weeks ago for a big-time match. Guess what I fell in love with? The simplicity, the storytelling, the hashtag in Paul Levesque we trust, right? Triple H handling the book right there, and you can tell things work. You don't even need big-time players. They just sub in in sort of an NXT matter, and they make it work. With that said, I love me some Tony Nese. I love me the 18-pack that he's rocking, 24-packs, 30-packs, whatever he's got going on. There's a new ab popping up every day. Felt like, though, that he was rushed to the belt. Certainly do not look at Aria Davari even without my knowledge of the recent storytelling on 205 as being a credible title contender, especially on a pay-per-view, a fifth major, if you will, on the main roster. And even worse, Adam, uh, you remember that guy? Remember the guy we both fell in love with? Remember that guy Alexa Bliss fell in love with? His name was Buddy Murphy, and he just screamed superstar. Remember he gave up this title to go to the main roster? Remember he never showed up on the main roster? <laughs> what are we doing here? No offense to Arya Davari, but if you're not going to use Buddy Murphy on SmackDown, then use him against Tony Nese in this pay-per-view rematch. Yeah, I mean, I root against anyone who faces Tony Nese because that guy's dealing with a 12-pack. I'm dealing with a keg, so I'm just jealous from start to finish. But no, honestly, Nice is great with the title, and he was the right person to put it on as someone who's been there for an extended period of time, never really got that opportunity. And yes, you're right. Not only do I hope we see Buddy Murphy soon on WWE main roster television, I hope we see Cedric Alexander again because we saw him once. He was great. They oh, put yeah. him over, and then we never saw him. And it we was need just the full intro, though. We need the and the dog. I feel it at home. We need it. All right, I need that in my life. Let's you're, go. Let's you're, go. I'm fired up. You're 100 right. You know what I need in my life? More Samoa Joe as United States champion, and that's our next match. He's defending that title against Rey Mysterio. Now we have seen Rey Mysterio's son Dominic involved in this entire storyline, and BC. You know what I want. I want Dominic choked out by the man, the champion, Samoa Joe. I really don't care what necessarily happens in the match. But ultimately, I mean, you and I have been asking for an extended period of time for Samoa Joe to get this title and get a big push with it. Would you be upset to see him drop the title here? Yeah, I would. I would because you just nailed it. He's, he's, been, he's the best villain in the company right now. And I, don't, I say that without any fear that I'm missing somebody. You got to strap on him. Let it run. You already blew the WrestleMania match. I know Ray was hurt. I know that card was already 15 hours long. Was I happy there in person to get a one-minute match? Yes. But you blew the potential of a good Ray moment. Dom wasn't even there, as far as I remember. Ray got his baby face come up on, on Raw or SmackDown in the sub subsequent weeks. They had a decent TV match. Ray won. Celebration kind of felt like a big deal. Title wasn't on the line. Don't put the title on Rey Mysterio. He really hasn't found his place since coming back to the company. You have to remember, sort of only hired him to keep him away 
from the competitor, something you've pointed out uh, um, numerous times on this show very deftly. And at this point, I love having Dominic there, even though it was a start and stop sort of setup. So use Dominic. Let him get choked out. Let the compassion in the father, the anger, help Ray lead to a loss. Hey, even give Ray a DQ win. Just don't take that title off of Samoa Joe because these are two ships meeting in the night and one's going in one direction and the other one's going to get docked soon. And that's your boy, Ray. That was my exact prediction, BC, on our CBSSports.com predictions and picks post, which will be coming out Thursday uh, on CBSSports.com. And the reason for that, WWE's next pay-per-view is Extreme Rules. So have Rey Mysterio use a weapon, get disqualified here, give us the rematch. It's okay if you're going to continue the story because it's a good story and we're, we're, enjoyed, we're enjoying it and we're entertained by it. And Samoa Joe and Rey Mysterio are two all-time workers. So keep With that, that going. Said, though, with that said, though, Adam, it is 2019. And you know where I come from. If you said, BC, I'm sorry, Joe's got to lose the belt. But Dom will blade. Dom's going to blade. I'm in. I'm in. All right. Why can't we have both? Why can't we have it all? Come on. That's, come what, on. that's what I want. Okay. We also have this steel cage match, which maybe would have been better placed at Extreme Rules a month from now between The Miz and Shane McMahon. You will remember McMahon beat Miz at WrestleMania 35. That incredible move off the... I don't even know what you want to call it. The scaffolding, the contraption uh, where, you know, M- McMahon just wound up on top of Miz and got the win in that match. I think that match drastically and severely over delivered from our expectations. Can this one live up to that one, BC? No, no. Um, you know that pay-per-view you hate the most out of any WWE pay-per-view? Except Backlash. for Saudi Arabia. Yeah, there you go. I was going to say, except <laughs> for anything happening in Saudi Arabia. I know the Silver King, Adam Silverstein, he hates pay backlash. What's that? It's either payback or it's backlash. Typically comes the month after WrestleMania. Typically WrestleMania uh, reruns, feuds that we already saw and should have been settled. Thankfully, in a time where there's not a lot to praise for WWE creative, we haven't seen much rehashing since Mania. They've largely flipped the script forward. This one sort of should have maybe should have ended at Mania. I'm not mad that it's continued on because the two superstars bring it. And I did enjoy the Mania ending. I'll say Miz as a babyface has been a refreshingly a bright spot. Obviously, Miz is at a level right now where I'm like, put him in the main title feud. His reemergence of 2016, he's an all-timer. He's a great. Love him right now as a face. Don't really love where this storyline's going. I think they've leaned on the whole idea of, well, they don't like each other, so they'll just keep attacking each other the past few weeks. We already did the father thing, the Mr. Potato Head thing. It worked. It was great. I like Shane as a heel. I don't necessarily think I like, though, Adam. Tell me if I'm wrong. Shane spending more time in the... Roman Reigns, Elias feud than this one. And I know this week on WWE, they combined the two feuds, but they sort of combined them ad nauseum. Yeah, I think it's been split relatively equally. The only reason I'm okay with this being a rematch, they gave us the out at WrestleMania, so they told us that there was going to be another match. We didn't have to guess, and they're they're not throwing a convoluted storyline together to make it happen. And the aggressiveness has been at a 12 And the Miz being that aggressive is so counter to his chicken bleep character that he's had basically his entire career that it is nice and refreshing, as is Shane McMahon playing the dastardly heel. Not so much the Mr. McMahon character, but his own version of, look, I'm a McMahon, I'm in charge, I can do whatever I want, and we're going to have this crazy match. So while I normally would be against it, in this case, I'm totally for it. The only problem with moving Miz to the main event picture, as you're saying, is 
Seth Rollins is the champion. We need a heel as w, uh, Universal Champion on Raw for Miz to kind of fit into that role now because turning Miz from face back to heel, now that this Miz and Mrs. show on USA Network is really taking off, it's really popular, and honestly, Silver King watches it. It's really good. It's entertaining. It's funny. You don't want to now turn him heel again. So you have to pick a direction you're going to go with Miz. For me, it's him winning this match and continuing on that path. I don't think it's a problem turning him back heel. I like the idea of bringing a baby face smart-wise to promote the show, right? They, they had that happen. But the new season's already launched. Miz is better as a heel. We're going to be waiting on screen for him to turn on whoever he's teaming up with, whether it's a Reigns, whether it's a Rollins. I actually think that's a clean change we can see. But what I don't want to do is enter 2020 without having seen Miz contend for the title. You got the obvious callback to WrestleMania 27. That one time WWE rolled the dice on him. You want to see that story come full circle. Maybe it comes against Daniel Bryan. Maybe. Maybe. Well, you know how I feel about this next match already, BC, so I'm just going to lay it up to you. Roman Reigns versus Elias. Do you care? I don't care because I know what's going to happen. It's going to be another dominant Roman Reigns win. And it's something we talked about earlier in this show that, look, you had an opportunity with the real-life health scare of Roman Reigns to portray him as a relatable, inspirational babyface, but they did it. Uh, they kind of ruined it. They kind of went the full-on corporate inspirational babyface Roman. And now we're back on to old Roman booking. You don't have to change his name to Joe, but you got to give the guy a little bit of character and heart and, and something different. We're not seeing that. I love Elias. I've been crying for Elias to finally be in a feud and not just be a party favor that you can use on the show. Unfortunately, he hasn't really been able to get his heat during this feud because Shane McMahon's been stealing his thunder, stealing it in an entertaining manner but stealing his thunder. I have zero confidence that this will be an Elias win. Maybe unless they surprise us and this is a feud that's going to keep going, but I don't know why you would want to tie up Roman Reigns any longer in a feud that really isn't going anywhere. This is Roman Reigns win. Probably going to be as predictable and kind of boring as his Drew McIntyre WrestleMania predictable and boring win. Give me any reason to believe otherwise. I can't because, you know, I was the proponent for WrestleMania 35 that Drew McIntyre needed to go over Roman Reigns and probably needed to go over him strong because you would have built up uh, Drew McIntyre with that win. Roman would not have been damaged at all because he's he gets so much positive booking that him losing a match to a really talented guy on a big stage, it's almost like that would be a surprise. That would be WWE giving us a storyline that's interesting. Having Roman Reigns, who real life recovered from leukemia in about four months and made his way back to WWE, losing a match. And then maybe losing another one and having to build back from the bottom. And you know what you could have done if you booked him that way? At WrestleMania 36, you could have made him your Universal or your WWE Champion, and fans would have cheered because it would have been a full, true, real-life-inspired underdog story. Instead, you have him beat Drew McIntyre, um, and you basically are going to have him beat Elias here, and you have the same old Roman Reigns can beat everyone no matter the obstacle booking. I don't I care. we get the book? Who? Put, put the book in my hands, all right? We already laid out ahead of Mania that Reigns and Rollins would help each other and WrestleMania next year would be Reigns and Rollins. If it was 1998, we'd be billing to Reigns and Rollins. Why? Because the two potentially biggest stars babyface-wise in the company. Why is it this hard? It really shouldn't be this hard. And, you know, you want the booking in your hands. I want the booking in my hands. I think a lot of wrestling fans want the booking in their hands. And that's the problem. If everyone thinks that they can do better than your current creative team, that's an issue. It's okay if one or two people think, hey, I'm really smart. I really know you know, WWE. Uh, I, I could do better than they do. But the product is good. Well, they don't have much of an argument. But if that's not the case, 
then you have everyone thinking they can do better, and that really goes to show you they what is wrong. They don't have a creative team. They have one man. They have, right? one man. they have one man. One and man. His, and his name is Vincent Kennedy McMahon. And something that I wouldn't have thought Vince McMahon would have booked, but here we are. Two matches for Becky Lynch, Becky Two Belts, as she's affectionately known, on one pay-per-view. And I don't think they're going to be back-to-back, but we're going to talk about them back-to-back. And we'll start with the Raw Women's Championship coming up against upstart Lacey Evans, who, yes, she's been on TV for a while. I think she's maybe had one match. We saw her in NXT. She was never the NXT Women's Champion. But here she is, her first title match on her first pay-per-view with WWE against the champ champ. BC, do you have Lacey Evans actually taking the title from Becky Lynch and getting that rocket strapped to the moon? I do. Not only because it's the right move. It's a bit of a gamble, but not only because it's the right move, it's a fresh and progressive move. Not only because it's better to have Bex on the chase moving forward, but even if you want to go behind the scenes, conspiracy, political side of it, look, Lacey Evans is a Vince McMahon character. That's why she's getting this type of push, push so soon. The, 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 the thing that isn't a problem is she's been fantastic in this role. So I think it is time to roll the dice on her. Look, this is the first pay-per-view since WrestleMania. I already made two references to how long that show was and how it robbed from it. I'd like an efficient show here from WWE on Sunday night. And I'd like Becky Lynch to lose both championships, including this match. Why? Because it was a historic thing for her to win it. The storyline up to this point, I thought they did a really good job on Raw on Monday night in that segment, contract signing, having two women there instead of one, and having both sort of stand over Becky Large is showing you that it is a gamble to see her doing this, being so willing to defend both in the same night if you're going to stay in kayfabe with me. that She's inevitably going to get weakened by the experience. I'd like to see her lose both, and I'd like to see her then go on a tour de force poor man Steve Austin type of thing that we got a greater, larger feel and taste for when the man first became the man last fall before, I'm going to say it, you already believe it, she got watered down ahead of WrestleMania, whether that was for business reasons to level the playing field or not. She got watered down. I'd like to go back to Becky with a chip on her shoulder, Becky on the way up, Becky on the chase, Becky hates Vince McMahon. That's the way to book it. Lacey Evans right now, does she have a lot to prove in the ring? Yes. Not bad in the ring, but she has a lot to prove. She had, what, a handful of NXT matches. But, Adam, sometimes people have, wait for it, here it comes, coming, it. They've got it. She's got a lot of it. She's got a real lot of it. She owns the camera when she's on there. She owns the moment. I want to see, more than anything on Sunday night, can she wrestle at the same level that she's smarky and and bitchy, if you will, and sort of owns that character. Can she do that in the ring in a big match and keep me satisfied? If she can, I want the title around her waist. I don't even need the match to go long. There's a story there. Becky's biting off more than she can chew. See, I think I think WWE can accomplish every single thing you said in terms of Becky's character while still keeping one title on her, at least for another month or two months. It's very difficult for me for you to have this mountaintop moment at WrestleMania in a winner-take-all match, and at the very next pay-per-view, take both titles over the most over woman slash wrestler in the company. You can make that argument with Kofi, Daniel, you know, a couple other people as well. So for me, she has to lose one title at this show because you have to get one of them off of her. You have to have separate storylines on both brands. So we'll get into the next match in a minute. That's the one I think she loses, and I'll explain why. In this particular case, you can't have your most over woman, who, by the way, has taken a number of these women's rights from Lacey Evans, who has been on the 
losing side of many of her segments with Lacey Evans and say, now, yeah, she's also going to lose the match. She can't beat this woman and she's on Raw. Because don't forget, Becky Lynch is on Raw. So for me, I think it's a situation where Becky Lynch has to retain this title, but we'll move on to the next match, the SmackDown. Well, hold on. Go I'm going to pause you and keep it right there, sure. all right? If they had handled that Mania moment better, if that match hadn't ended at 12.26 a.m. with a weird finish where we're like, was that a botch? What happened there with Ronda Rousey? And Becky was sort of robbed of what could have been her own Kofi moment on that same night. We're, we're being really honest here. It wasn't the Steve Austin WrestleMania 14 moment. It could have been or should have been. It was sort of like, oh, all right. So because of that, I think this actually would make the story better if she won both historically and then lost both. And then where do we go from here? But something we haven't mentioned or thought of here. We know that Ronda Rousey's off for now. Going to try to build a family. Just did a long sit-down interview with the UFC, I think, on their uh, streaming uh, on their streaming fight pass there about her intentions to become a mom. We know she'll be more part-time than full-time moving forward. She did show up with WWE at the Fox Upfront this week to announce, of course, their fall lineup, which will include SmackDown on Friday nights. Are we not looking, like, is that the out that WWE has right there? Rousey running in, getting WrestleMania revenge, costing Bex the title against Lacey Evans, and then disappearing and hightailing out, and maybe you're looking at a Rousey-Lynch SummerSlam rematch. Yeah, I mean, that would be great, but if she's then going to hightail out and she is trying to get pregnant, I don't think we're having that SummerSlam rematch, and then if they did, they're pushing it off even further, and then there's WrestleMania calling a couple months away from that. So then you can't get rid of Rousey. And I think they've done a really good job separating Rousey and keeping her off of TV. Listen, if they give us that type of swerve, that's great. But they also don't really have a reason for her to be angry at Becky Lynch. She had that reason when she cost Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair the SmackDown women's title in that ladder match with Asuka. She had a reason for that. Now she lost. She's stepping away. She's doing the interviews saying she's stepping away. So for me, I understand where you're going with it, but I wouldn't book it that way. And I don't think they need Ronda Rousey because the women's evolution the women's division is fine without her candidly as long as they start pushing new women like a Lacey Evans like an Ember Moon so while I understand this is a good opportunity to give Lacey Evans the title I also don't want to turn Becky Lynch into Sasha Banks where every time she wins a title and let's not forget she won the Smackdown Women's Championship and then lost it and then you know and we just went through this um, on the road to WrestleMania basically so I don't want her to win two titles lose both of them in a month and then she's Sasha Banks. She can never defend her titles. Well, it would justify. It would justify, however, the idea of is that too soon to put it on Lacey Evans when she hadn't earned it and to take it off Becky when she just had won something historic. I think it would explain that and it would set up for another babyface win, maybe at SummerSlam, maybe for the title where we finally have the moment she didn't get at Mania. Yeah, I'm with you on that. But because I have Becky Lynch retaining the Raw Women's Championship, that's where we get into the SmackDown Women's Championship, where Becky Lynch will face again Charlotte Flair. I, I'm going to say it again. Again, because they keep fighting, even though they really should be kept apart at this point. Why? Because every time Becky Lynch faces Charlotte Flair recently, Becky Lynch has come out on top. And if that is the storyline that we have had, that Becky Lynch beat her to win the title, she beat her to get this spot at WrestleMania again, even though she was injured. And every single time Becky Lynch comes out on top, well, if you want to continue this feud and this rivalry, Charlotte Flair needs to win. So for me, she retains the Raw Women's Championship because she's going to lose the SmackDown Women's Championship. And finally, these two, at least for a period of time, can be on separate brands. You can have Becky as the top dog on Raw, Charlotte as the top dog on SmackDown, at least for an extended period of time. And then if you want them to, to meet 
for a blow-off type of feud in at WrestleMania 36 or at SummerSlam, or if they're both champions at Survivor Series, then you have another rekindling of this rivalry. But man, I mean, Becky says it on Twitter and she does it in storyline, but fans feel it in real life. Enough of Becky Lynch and Charlotte Flair. It's not that they're not great together. They're the best together. But if you give it to us every single month, it's going to get old. Remember how many times John Cena and The Miz fought consecutively that WWE had to actually come out at one point and say, this will be the last match ever between John Cena and The Miz for the WWE title because they fought like eight times in 12 months for it. That's what's happening here. I love both of them. They're great, but they should be on separate shows and... Charlotte should win here because you need to continue the storyline. Otherwise, Becky's won like three times in a row. And what's the point? Yeah, it's a a fair run indeed. And while we can debate all we want, whether the title will change hands in Becky and Lacey Evans' match, you can all but guarantee that Charlotte's going to win right here, mostly because it really just doesn't make sense for one person to hold titles on both brands, even with this new wild card, which essentially guarantees that the top stars will appear on both as a way to appease both NBC Universal and, of course, Fox when they launch SmackDown later this year. Uh, it's overkill, it is, but let's not forget what I've been harping on for three years now. It's going to be Charlotte Flair that will break Ric Flair and John Cena's record of 16 world titles within. I guess within WWE, but obviously that that covers more for Ric Flair than just WWE. But she has nine right now. This will be 10. They've found convenient ways to slide it back on her in little moments where you didn't think. It's kind of come up quicker than you think here. She's the star of SmackDown, meaning Charlotte. Let's let her have that title. I thought we were going to see some business with her and Asuka. Now that Asuka is in a tag team, though, uh, I hope that there are people on, uh, on SmackDown, you know, worthy enough to feud against her moving forward. But yeah, everything you said, you nailed it. My only thing is, because of the overkill, do not do a long match here. Do it short. I, I, here, I'll give you an out here, WWE. Have the Lacey Evans-Becky Lynch match be earlier. Have it be more substance. And if you're going to go straight to the belt going over, either way, let Lacey Evans injure Becky. Let her knock her out with the women's right. Even if it's after the match. So Becky is so physically compromised entering the Charlotte one that Charlotte sweeps it up very quick and walks out of there as a heel. That's the exact booking. I mean, that is how you do it. And maybe that's predictable. So maybe they won't do it that way. But I'm okay with predictable in this case, because as as I've said on the show before, BC, predictable is good if it gives you the result that you want in the end. And it's still entertaining. And that would be entertaining. Lacey would get over. She maybe could continue her feud with Becky into extreme rules. They have an extreme rules match. And maybe... Because of the stipulations of that match, Lacey Evans wins, or maybe Becky goes over and Lacey kind of takes a step back and they move on to some of the other women on that show. So there's a million things about, that could happen. And how about this, Adam? We mentioned that name earlier. Remember Sasha Banks? Remember she used to wrestle for WWE? Hasn't appeared since those string of tweets, since we heard about her unhappiness. Be- Bailey presented as a single star now. I'm not saying, you know, Sasha's going to show up on AEW when they launch on May 25th, but if Sasha's still going to be on this roster, then maybe it's time to send Charlotte right into a feud with Sasha as the babyface on SmackDown and let it lead to Sasha winning that championship and holding it for a while. That repair a lot of ill will and, and woes in how the women have been presented over this yeah. time and certainly how Sasha Banks' career has gone. Or, or doing the exact same thing on Raw because Raw has a dearth of women's top-tier talent that SmackDown, SmackDown is loaded with women. Raw really isn't. If they're able to bring Sasha Banks back and convince her that she's going to go on Raw, she's going to have a hot fire storyline with Becky Lynch and get a five-month reign as women's champion, who's turning that down? I mean, they have to show some goodwill towards her. And by the way, she's great and we need her in WWE. She's a big missing piece in this women's evolution right now and because she was such a big piece to start it. 
They never showed her the right respect. This would be a good opportunity for them to do that too. Speaking of someone who's had a long career in WWE and didn't get much respect until recently, we have Kofi Kingston, the 11-year veteran and your new WWE champion, defending his title against Kevin Owens. BC, we know the machinations of the Kevin Owens, Kofi Kingston, and Daniel Bryan storyline in terms of what was planned for WrestleMania, what actually happened for WrestleMania. Do you see this as the opportunity for WWE to kind of write their ship back to their planned storylines and put the strap on KO? 100%. And, I, and I've nailed that ad nauseum in previous episodes and prior weeks on the state of combat that I just don't believe Kofi is a leading man. And I think the way that they've presented him with his New Day brethren, because Biggie injured in real life, hasn't been on TV. Xavier Woods has been largely off of TV under storyline injury, although we see, saw him came back this week. Uh, when Kofi's alone, it sort of hammers that home. And there's been some people, of course, listeners of our show, passionate ones who, who think I'm way off on this. But it was a great story. They told it. It's over. Let's get that title back on KO, who deserves it, who can carry it, who can control it. I got nothing else to say. <laughs> Let's do it. Well, I'm in complete agreement that Kofi does not need a long run with the title. And if they did decide to put it on Kevin Owens here, I'd be totally okay with it because you're right. The moment was A, him getting the opportunity and B, him getting the win at WrestleMania in the match that stole the show with Daniel Bryan. So now that that's all been accomplished, he's a B-side and he doesn't really need to carry the strap. At the same time, I don't think there's really good reason to take it off of him after one month, especially when they have a tour of Africa planned, and it would be a great opportunity for a native of Ghana, West Africa, to go into that country with the WWE Championship. So if it's me, if it's the Silver King booking this match, what do I have happen? I have Kofi Kingston retain the title, maybe Xavier Woods helps, maybe Big E on crutches comes out, helps, does something, Kevin Owens demands a rematch, gets that rematch at Extreme Rules, with a stipulation, wins the title there. So that's how I would book it. That's not bad. Again, I think Kofi would be fine at losing the title. I mean, this WWE would be fine with Kofi losing the title. It would make sense, and it would reset their storyline plans. But let's not forget, their storyline plans at Kevin Owens as a everyday dad, you know, 40-year-old beer gut guy, babyface, not the heel that he has turned into. Oh, keep him healed. Keep him diabolical, psychological, sociopath healed. Keep that going. And I, I don't mean to be harsh on Kofi. You know that, Adam. But, man, we talk about it all the time. Imagine if they gave Big E that same push. I know he's hurt right now. We both look at him as a leading man. Have you been following his Twitter uh, courting of Becky Lynch's married mom? It's the been mom. genius. This guy would uh, – I mean, t- give me any reason why Solo Big E wouldn't be a star tomorrow – the New Day has been an incredible creation, and they've been self-guided and self-developed, and, and, and they're, they're all-timers. They're legends. But, Adam, am I wrong? At least 40%, maybe 50 of what we love about the New Day is Big E. Oh, man, that's tough. I mean, Xavier, true, really, Xavier Woods really steers the ship, but Big E is always good for a joke. And even when something fails, like that way back machine or time machine, whatever that was old day, that segment, like Biggie still delivered in that moment. But what's hysterical is like this guy who's massive and I don't have his height and weight measurements on me. He got simply doing a split over because he's so big and it's so awkward to see that. And he's so funny. So you're right. I think the only thing keeping him from being a main event WWE champion at this time, it's too comical. He's the one of the three that's so over the top that he would really have to rein that in because you can still have that 
but you also need the attitude at the same time. If you remember one of the go-home promo segments between Kofi, Biggie, the entire New Day, obviously Xavier Woods, and Daniel Bryan, Biggie took the mic and got serious. And he cut a serious, really damn good promo. My hope is eventually, whether it's at this pay-per-view, whether it's Extreme Rules, Kevin Owens does win the title. Biggie comes back with a vengeance and they give him that main event push. Whether he wins the title, whether he doesn't, I want to see him as a solo act in terms of pursuing a solo title with the New Day having his back. Oh, Adam, stick the performance-enhancing audio into my vein. How about we get him coming back angry, wanting to be serious, New Day's too much of a joke, Kofi just lost his title, he turns on the New Day and he turns heel, and you remember him as a heel when he was Dolph Ziggler's bodyguard and he was Biggie Langston and he wore the African colors and he was all about weightlifting and dominance and intensity. I'd like to see that guy again. I'd like to see that guy publicly within storyline call out the WWE for their lack of diversity. Am I going too far here? Well, I would love I would love that Big E back, but they're not breaking up the New Day, man. You keep trying to be that wedge driver, as Kofi likes to call you. They ain't doing it because they're too hot of a commodity together. You don't break up um, um, New Day. You don't break up NWO. You don't break up DX until you absolutely right. have to. All right, why did we break up the Shield? Because you had three stars about to bust out and deserved solo time. I think Woods is better than a lot of people do. I think he could be a mid-card title holder and star. We've already established, because you love Kofi, that Kofi winning the title was great and you accepted it. We're telling you that Big E is a superstar and waiting. Break him up, and then when you bring them back together, it's merch sales for a lifetime. Do you not remember what happened with the Shield for the past year? New Day is the Black Shield. Break them up, put them back together. Give me a triple threat main event. I'm telling you it's going to work. There's a difference between capability and willingness. So when WWE broke up the shield, they were willing to have all three guys go as single stars and push them in different directions, right? When they broke up American Alpha, they were willing to push one of them, Jason Jordan, even though Chad Gable is just as good, if not better. So when you are going to break something up, you have to have the will, not just the ability of the performers to do the role. You need to be ready, willing, and Gable to push all three of the, or all two of the people. And my concern would be they'd continue pushing Kofi Kingston, maybe as a mid-carder. Maybe they would push Biggie as a main eventer. My concern would be, despite his incredible talents in the ring and on the mic, Xavier Woods would get lost. And I don't want to see that happen because as a trio, they are so good together. Okay, how about, okay, one final thing. We're going to get out of here. You, you, you elevate Big E to the roof. He turns heel. He's a solo superstar. Are you telling me that Kofi and Xavier couldn't be tag team champions? They could be. Yeah, they absolutely could be. All right, there we go. Just fixed it. Just fixed the territory. Let's move it on down the road. Okay, I hope they do it. But you know what? You could have them be tag team champions. You could have Big E as a main eventer. And you can keep the New Day together. So that's all I have to say about that. Up next is that Universal Championship match between Seth Rollins, the champion, and A. J Styles BC. So obviously this is really a match about two faces going head to head. AJ has gone a little bit darker, a little bit meaner heel esque as of late. You know how I feel about this match. I'll save my opinion for after you. Do you see the title changing hands here? I don't see the title changing hands here, but I do think you need to turn AJ heel. You've been teasing it not to do again, the same exact booking he did with John Cena in 2016 when he turned heel, when it was all about beat up John Cena and he had Gallows and Anderson by his side. But you know what? The best thing for AJ Styles and Gallows and Anderson is putting them by his side and reuniting the club and making him, even for a short season, a heel on the main event level on Raw. I don't actually need this feud to end. I think we just need to add a little bit of flavor to it. I'll give him this. 
I like this week. They kind of undersold the presentation of this on the Go Home Raw show, but they didn't overexploit. What I mean by that is on the women's side, we went for the double contract signing. And I think you need segments like that. It was powerful, it was strong. They didn't go back to the well and force something with AJ and Rollins. They just gave us separate backstage interview promos. Both were really, really good, including that reveal of Seth showing their independent meeting years ago, what was it, 2006 in some small organization. I hadn't even known about that. That was a cool little bit mo uh, moment on there. This certainly, of all the matches on the card, has the potential to really grab our attention and win the night, be sort of a four and three quarter star match. Maybe WWE gets out of the way and lets them wrestle indie style and we get a five star match here. I'm actually really excited about what this could be. I'm hoping they have something new story-wise, storyline-wise, though. Put a little pepper on top. I did love this contract signing segment that you saw. I mean, it was really done well, top to bottom. But BC, you know my concern here. This match isn't going to get a finish. We got Blood Money in the Sand, that third show in Saudi Arabia, coming up um, very shortly, a couple weeks after this show, this Money in the Bank show. And honestly, man... I just think we're going to see Brock Lesnar interfere and force a disqualification or a double DQ or a no contest. And we're going to get a triple threat threat match at that show because right now, and that show is actually called super showdown, but regardless right now, what do we have? We have Goldberg versus the undertaker. So there's one man who doesn't have a match out of the three really super big names that are not full timers. And that's Brock Lesnar. So what are you going to do with Brock Lesnar? You're not going to put him against Braun Strowman again. I don't think you're going to feed like drew McIntyre or Roman Reigns to him, or you're going to do anything like that. So for me, the natural spot, and his name has been mentioned consistently in this rivalry build, primarily with Seth Rollins telling AJ he never beat Brock, even though Seth Rollins did at WrestleMania. Obviously, AJ fought him at Survivor Series. So I just think, like, I'd love to give you a pick. The pick is that Seth Rollins will retain the title. But my actual pick, my prediction, is that we see Brock Lesnar interfere in this match. It's in Connecticut. It's pretty close to Canada. Why not, right? Well, first of all, no one ever – I'm from Connecticut. I am Connecticut. I live in Connecticut. No one's ever identified Connecticut as, well, it's pretty close to Canada. Well, I'm in I mean, Florida, man. It, Canada. It's, way closer, it's way closer to Canada than Florida is, and that's where I am right now. All right. Well, let me hit you like this. This is actually the perfect example of the difference between the Vince McMahon booking that we see today, which is really hit or miss in the modern era. We just complained to open this show ad nauseum about it, and the Triple H style of booking in NXT 205 Live and hopefully coming soon to a main roster near you. Under Vince's idea of booking, you take this great match that you build up, you make it a smosh finish like you said, and you plug in big business Brock Lesnar to build toward the next pay-per-view. Nobody leaves happy. If Trips had the book for this, you know what we'd see, Adam? We'd see the equivalent of the greatest match in WWE history, according to Dave Meltzer. NXT, Mania Weekend, Brooklyn. Adam Cole, baby, Johnny Gargano. And we would see Seth Rollins in the Johnny Gargano role. We'd see a five-star match, and we would see at the end the club come running out. Seth fights off the club and gets the miracle win against AJ. And not only do we all go home happy, we all go home uh, large and in charge downstairs and fire it up for what's coming next week. Can't wait for Monday night. I said it. I don't know if Triple H would book it exactly that way, but I have a feeling, yes. If we saw a Seth Rollins, AJ Styles match to fulfill its potential, that yes, that, that could potentially happen. My issue, though, and this is what I talked about at the very beginning when this match was first booked, it shouldn't be on this show. It should not be one month after WrestleMania. You want to build this for SummerSlam? Great. You want to build this for WrestleMania 36 or the Royal Rumble? Great. Don't give it to me at Money in the Bank. 
one month later. It's a rush. And it's because of that. I think this is a long-term story they're going to tell over the next four, six, eight months, maybe a year, up until WrestleMania 36. It's for that reason I don't think we're going to have a legitimate finish in this match, BC. We have these two Money in the Bank matches to go. We're going to start with the women, and I'll run down the names for you. Alexa Bliss versus Naomi, Natalia, Dana Brooke, Bailey, Mandy Rose, Ember Moon, and Carmella. Obviously, Alexa Bliss won last year. Cashed it in, in the during the Ronda Rousey-Nia Jax match. Pin Nia Jax became the new Raw Women's Champion that year. What we have now, BC, is a match where, gotta be honest, I wouldn't necessarily say WWE put its best foot forward in terms of the women who could have been in this match. Obviously, we don't have Asuka. We don't have Sasha Banks, etc. Kyrie Sane would have been great here. But I still think the field is pretty solid. So I'm going to ask you three separate questions. You can give them to me in any order you want. Out of this list, who should win the Money in the Bank? Who will win the Money in the Bank? And who definitely should not, under any circumstances, win this match? All right, who should not win under any circumstances, any form of retread? So for me, that's Carmella, that's Alexa Bliss, that's even Natalia, who I, I get why you have a veteran in here, but not making you you're so excited. I don't even think Edward Moon is ready. So I think you're, you're cutting the field down pretty quickly right there. I think you you just got to go Mandy Rose. Like she just she fits the description of who should win a Money in the Bank better than anyone else coming into this match. You did nail it that there is a decided lack overall of star power or really of next level athletes in here. But we've had this discussion before. We want women to get equal time. We want there to be a women's Royal Rumble Money in the Bank match on and on. But we don't want two marathon matches in the same night that dilute the value of it. So this women's match, I think, has the opportunity to be somewhat short and still deliver. They did a great job on Monday night in the story that they told. The match quality was great with Alexa Bliss giving up her spot to Nikki Cross. I know you're probably going to be upset that Nikki Cross's character kind of changed backstage. She wasn't crazy anymore. But I think we saw a couple smirks and smiles as she kind of played to Alexa Bliss within storyline and helped her out. That Nikki Cross is going to go crazy. When Alexa Bliss climbed the ladder after that match to grab the suit, the briefcase after pushing Nikki aside, Nikki held the ladder. She was giggling crazily and loud. She's going to have a factor in this match. She's going to screw somebody in the end. She's going to turn crazy. It'll be good entertainment. I think you keep the match short. You put it on Mandy Rose. I don't have to sell Mandy Rose to you, Adam. She hasn't go. shown yet she can be great. But here's somebody who has every single tool to make a run at it. Why not take a chance and find out? We had the same discussion ahead when she was wrestling earlier this year for the title. It didn't seem time, although you could have taken that gamble. Lacey Evans seems more of a safer bet right now. But I nailed it off the top. The briefcase is the equivalent of a world title. It, 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 there's, if you do it right, you can bring value to the briefcase as the briefcase is bringing value to you. I don't think anyone has really done that Seth, Seth Rollins in 2014 heading into Mania 31, where the briefcase elevated him and he made that briefcase matter. It was a threat. It has to be on a heel. Mandy Rose is that heel. Yeah, so we are completely aligned on this one. The only people I really don't want to see win it are Alexa Bliss, Carmella, and Natalia for the reasons you stated. Although this insertion of Nikki Cross into the storyline and the fact that she's the one who went over on Monday night concerns me that they're really just going to put this back on Alexa Bliss. And if they do, I mean, talk about Roman Reigns' predictable booking. This is predictable booking. She cannot be an active wrestler without a title in WWE. Vince just will not allow it. And I don't know why, because she's so good without it. She really doesn't need it. So that concerns me. What I would like to see is Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss 
as a women's tag team because Raw really doesn't have any of them. And for a short period of the time, maybe they even take the titles. That would be extremely interesting to me. It keeps also would keep Alexa Bliss out of the main championship picture. And you're also right. Mandy Rose should win, and I think she will win. They, there are two women in WWE right now who every single week I see them on TV get better. One is Mandy Rose, the other is Carmella. And considering Carmella's already won and already had the opportunity, and she's super over still coming out of the alignment with our truth this is the opportunity to reward Mandy Rose, who our friend Jack Crosby likes to call her the queen, queen of strong style, because she is. She, she hits these really tough knees. Um, she's great in the ring. She's getting better on the mic. She has a nice sidekick almost. I don't want to call her that. And Sonya Deville, her tag team partner with fire and desire. It's time to strap the rocket to Mandy Rose and make her at some point in the next calendar year the new SmackDown Women's Champion. You have Charlotte with the title maybe coming out of the show. A face eventually gets it, and at that point, you have Mandy Rose cash in. That's where I'm going. Yeah, I mean, look, you, the idea of the title being a threat in every week or every other week, you can come and tease that threat. Mandy Rose is the right heel for that. We didn't mention Dana Brooke here. I like that WWE does reward people who are on or who have gotten lost in the system. If they work hard, if they get back into shape, we've seen Zack Ryder get rewarded, right? We see Kurt Hawkins right now. We certainly saw Jinder Mahal get rewarded on the highest level. I think you can reward her without letting her win here, but letting her have some big moments in this match and hopefully let it lead to at least one actual feud. Uh, look, I'm not the biggest Dana Brooke fan. You're not either, but somebody's going to work that hard, do something with them. Yeah, absolutely. And Dana Brooke has actually gotten a couple big moments on TV also recently. So, you know, good for her, you know, especially on the go home raw. I was really impressed. So you're right. At some point, you have to give people opportunities. I'm glad to see that she's getting this opportunity. But at the same time, I just really can't justify her coming out of here with the briefcase and then having to care. See, the, the briefcase having it, it's more than just being the potential champion. I think there's an 81 percent chance that you win the title historically in WWE, obviously all made up but 81 percent that the person who wins it actually cashes it in and ultimately wins the title but you have to be able to deliver on the mic when you're when you have the money in the bank briefcase because you always have to be a threat and every single time there's a different feud and a different storyline and a different title match you have to be able to come out and say well don't forget about me i'm always here and i think mandy rose is able to deliver that whereas someone like dana brooke unfortunately maybe she'll get a title opportunity at some point i don't think she's the right person for this briefcase. Okay, BC, our last match on the card, the men's Money in the Bank. And I got to be honest, business really picked up this week on both Raw and SmackDown with this match. They changed the name. They took uh, Braun Strowman, a former winner, out of this match. They inserted Sami Zayn. That only made it better to me. But these are your competitors right here. BC, same questions. Who should win? Who should not win? And who will win the men's Money in the Bank? I like this match a lot. I like the clientele in it. I like that you can make a case for a few different guys. There's certainly some guys who seem obvious, like they're the favorites. When you add Sami Zayn this late into the game, when he had been doing the kind of, and been given the kind of time to do the, the the heel promos against the crowd the last few weeks, I mean, he was given almost a, a main event type push in that regard, some prime time real estate. And then he kind of sneaky works his way in here and then helps out Kevin Owens, who could become WWE champion on Sunday night. The pick is Sami Zayn. It makes a ton of sense. And I'm really happy that they got Braun Strowman out of there for all the right reasons, the same reasons he shouldn't have been in there last time, last year. I also like that they screwed him. So again, if he has a run in like I predicted with Nikki Cross, it wouldn't be the end of the world if he cost Baron Corbin or someone else who's been feuding with him a shot there. At the same time, though, 
You can certainly make a case that Andrade's ready, that this would be sort of a little surprising pick. Go, wow, oh, it went to him. He is, it's time for him to sort of get that push and find out what we have in him. I think Finn, because he has that icy belt, he kind of eliminates him from there. Ali is another guy they could take a chance with. But tell me if I'm wrong, Adam. Sammy, from a character standpoint, is the perfect guy to put this on. Yeah, I mean, if you're talking about who deserves it based on the last few weeks of television, what they've done recently, storyline, character-wise, it's Sami Zayn. And if you believe reports that Sami Zayn is basically speaking Vince McMahon's words in his all-promo, then maybe Vince rewards that guy with the money in the bank. And he's the perfect guy to carry it, to be able to walk around, just like I was talking about during the women's match, walk around, talk crap every single time there's a different title match. Don't forget about me. Be that pest consistently. So he's a totally fine option. And yes, he would be my choice for he should win. Who should not win is someone who doesn't need it. Randy Orton. You don't need Orton in this match. And you certainly don't need him walking out with the briefcase. And I know people, other people will say, you know who shouldn't win? Baron Corbin. He just got it a couple of years ago, did nothing with it. Everyone hates him. He has go away. He, you know what? I love Baron Corbin. And I'm not afraid to admit it, but I do agree. He shouldn't win it either. So that really narrows down the field. Anyone else, I'm okay with. I think Ricochet yeah. could be great, but maybe doesn't have the mic skills. Drew McIntyre would be an amazing threat, but then it's the third year in a row that a non-high flyer, that a standard, large, muscular, white guy, you know what I mean, wins it. And, and it's boring. And the last two failed to cash in. I don't want to see McIntyre win it and fail to cash in. That would be the worst case scenario. So for me, even though I think Zane should win and probably will, I'm going to actually go with my pick as Andrade because you want to actually create excitement like I was talking about to open the show and, and uh, a feeling of anything can happen at any time. Well, Andrade getting the briefcase is almost more akin to like Dolph Ziggler winning it a few years ago where people recognize that he's an incredible in-ring talent, but he's a heel, so they don't want him to win, but at the same time they do. He has a great mouthpiece in Zelina Vega. His English is coming along, so by the time maybe they actually have him cash in, maybe it's to the point where he could actually sustain himself as the WWE champion on that SmackDown brand. So that's where I'm going to stick with this. I'm going to go with the guy who I thought coming into the match before Zane got added would win. I'm going to stick with Andrade. And you know I like to call him CN Almas as well. Yeah, you, you certainly nailed why that would be a good pick. Imagine Vega being able to talk up that briefcase would be great. But remember one thing on my Sami Zayn pick here. If Kevin Owens also wins the WWE championship and his best friend has the briefcase, the mega powers are about to explode my pants. All right, you know where we're going here. This is fantastic. This is storytelling. Let's do this. Well, the one thing we don't know, and we can kind of end our preview on this, is we don't know how the wild card rule, as much as we hate it, as much as we criticize it, we don't know how that's going to affect the briefcases. WWE could throw a curveball and say, look, the winner of the briefcase, they don't have to cash it in on their brand. They can cash it in on either brand. And that is exciting. That is something that is a good use of getting a superstar on both shows. And if that's the case, maybe Sami Zayn is a better choice than Andrade, who probably doesn't have enough range, even with Zelina Vega right now, to, to be on both shows every single week and do that. Um, so that's an interesting wrinkle that could be added. It hasn't been yet. As of right now, the rules are whoever wins these two briefcases must, at some point in the calendar year, cash it in on the champion of their current brand. Uh, there won't be a brand split a couple months. We know this. It's all, it's a free, it's a free game. All right. It's open season there. Wow. Detailed preview of money in the bank this Sunday in my backyard of Hartford, Connecticut, where I will not be this Sunday night. Thank you. I'll be on a plane on the way to see you, Adam in Fort Lauderdale. What Absolutely. All right. Yeah. It's going to be fun. Some beers, some food and some work. Got some big stuff coming up. 
ahead of the next UFC pay-per-view, especially with uh, your girl, my girl, Amanda Nunes. The, the, the women's greatest of all time. Believe that. Listen to more in the future on the SOC MMA show. Check out myself and Rafe on the box show. If this is your first taste of what we got going on here at the State of Combat on CBS Sports, we are bringing you basically three episodes a week, sometimes more. One in mixed martial arts, one in boxing, one in pro wrestling. A lot of bonus audio interviews coming your way. Performance enhancing audio all day, all the time. We bring it right here. Follow us on Twitter at State of Combat. Follow me at B Campbell CBS. Follow the Silver King at Silverstein Adam. Uh, maybe do drop a five-star review. I mean, it is it is a, a, a giving time. Let, let's go. We pay it to you. You pay it forward. You pay it back. Adam, what else? We got anything else? No, I just think it's time to uh, say goodbye to the people. Yeah, say goodbye, say goodbye. Guess what? We out.